Um, what episode are we on? 15? 16. 16. 16. Whoa. We're on 16. Our podcast can drive now. Episode 16. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Whatever Podcast, episode 16. The threesome episode. That's right. You hear a special voice in the background. Uh, This is three-time Academy Award watcher. Bryce, hey, Bryce. Good morning. He he actually um, has watched the Academy Awards at least three times that I know of. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's true, exactly. folks. It's true. We've and edited it and <coughs> gotten credentials. Last year, I'll have you know, I was the uh, best dressed <coughs> award at the Academy party. You know, so, yeah. no big deal. And you might think he's joking. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a fan favorite. It was it was uh, you know. Neil Patrick Harris had nothing to do with it. Um, so this episode of uh, of whatever show is not um, sponsored by anything right now because you people still haven't offered sponsorships, made us money. <laughs> yeah, um, but it is inspired, however, by some uh, exceptionally good beer tonight, which we'll be um, letting you guys know about as we uh, as we drink it. Uh, we're currently drinking Brass Monkey. Mm-hmm. I, I'm informed this is the worst beer that we're going to drink tonight, which has me pretty hopeful because I like it. It's not mm-hmm. bad. And I don't usually like this style of beer, um, which has kind of got that little sweeter, I think you said, kind of like a Rattler. Yeah. Um, so the last time I had one of those, like, the, actually, you, I think you mentioned, was it the Swill? Yeah, last year's Swill, which they really, they fucked up the recipe on. Um, and they, they actually issued an, an apology. <laughs> well, um, they also blew up several bottles of it in people's houses. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were, there were some yeah, issues oops. with the, that, the recipe last year on Tin Barrel's swill and it came out a lot, a lot sweeter than they really intended, but I yeah. think a good amount of people liked it and I thought it was a decent beer. I, I actually tried the swill and, um, no, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> so th- this is kind of cool because this is like a happy medium. Um, so maybe that explains it. Maybe I should go back and try it next year or something like that because... The the when I had it, it was just way too sweet well, for me. Uh, this year is completely different, and so don't yeah. actually waste your money on it because Ten Barrel is owned in its entirety by InBev, who owns Budweiser. So mm-hmm. I see. Fuck them. Yeah. So corporations. Oh, uh, won't be getting money from them. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I went to the Ten Barrel Tap House though, and and holy shit, the stout that I had was dreamy. Is the only word dreamy? Yeah. I wish I could discriminate, but they, you know, like I kind of have a little secret place in my heart for Blue Moon, which you know is nah, another owned nah. by Coors or something like that. So, and this um, actually doesn't taste unlike Blue Moon. It does have I a find. little bit of the. Uh, it's it's technically by definition it's an American strong ale. I see the bottle. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it, it. I don't think that they're using the Belgian yeast in this. Uh, but like I, I find it, it's got the orange peel type. Sure. Flavor going Coriander, on with I think. It. Yeah, 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 probably some coriander, um, and just plenty of plenty of zest, some sweet malts in there. So before we get too and far, it doesn't into taste it, as strong as it is. I'm going to go off on my little rant. Bryce heard this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, when the difference between uh, Coors uh, or Miller Coors, or I think they're owned by some African company now, or South African, or something. Yeah, good old American beer. Owned I could be wrong. Correct me, uh, nationals, please, because it means at least somebody's listening. Um, <laughs> but yelled at an email. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> But uh, I don't actually have a problem with Coors um, as a as a as a large corporation, uh, most notably because they don't necessarily have the uh, mentality that they're 
trying to put other breweries out of business. They obviously want to sell their beer, but they don't do it at the expense of, of frivolous lawsuits against smaller breweries that can't afford to defend themselves in court. Like, no kidding. Budweiser does. So that's the key difference between those two. So don't be ashamed if you drink Blue Moon because I'm not. Yeah, and quite honestly, if I have to, you know, like if we're going to pick a, you know, shitty domestic to drink, it, I would pick Coors before I'd pick Bud. So true that. Yeah. So that's our opening beer. We want to move on to our first topic. Um, you want to cover a bunch of stuff that Bryce has no clue about? Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> One Let's do it. I'll, I'll chime in with, you know. Um, so the first thing we should cover, because it's it's something that we actually, this is kind of a continuation of, of a topic from last week, or not last week. We haven't recorded in two weeks. Sorry, guys. Yeah. My um, wife has been having the plague, so I've been kind of holding the show up. My bad. And mine finished nursing school also, so that, that took some some time. Um, we uh, we talked about how uh, oh, Stephen Amell... put those two together. She's got the skill. You know, she's a nurse, and my wife's dying sick, you know. Oh, yeah, we could do like a weekly soap opera. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Um, and by the way, she's not really dying. No, she's fine now. Uh, or she will she, be fine I mean, soon. She tried that several years ago when she, her brain exploded, and yeah. it still didn't kill her, so. She will not let that go, either. Every time it's like, <laughs> right? oh, I, I almost died three years ago. I mean, in yeah. as much as we're not, like, all constantly dying all the time. Yeah. She's not, not expecting to die anytime soon. You let's pull on some kind of kicker guardian... No. Existentialism. <laughs> not, stuff. not at all. Not <laughs> at all. <laughs> anyway, death and taxes. Death um, and taxes. <laughs> this episode is going to be a clusterfuck. I can already tell. Yep. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we talked about um, Stephen Amell making his appearance at SummerSlam, which at the time of our last recording had not happened yet. It has happened now. Um, Eddie and I have watched it. Bryce probably hasn't. Nope. So, what do you think, man? Um, so I liked it. So first off, uh, Matt will probably go into this a little bit more, but he nailed all points. Um, he originally called, I think when we first talked about this, probably three or four episodes ago, it was a tag match. Um, we ended up with Neville and, uh, the Green Arrow versus Stardust and help me out here. Wade Matt. Barrett. Wade Barrett. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things I said in the earlier message or earlier episodes is that, um, Amel is a very athletic guy, and I thought he'd probably do okay, and I think that is actually how I describe the match. Like, Amel did fine. Um, there were some pretty big moves in there. There were some pretty cool parts of the match, I thought. Um, but it was pretty clear to me that Amel is not a pro wrestler by nature. And, you know, kind of like we were talking about before the show, um, the big part, you know, one of the biggest moves in there is, is Amel delivers this kick to Stardust that, that is just, uh, awesome it was just awesome to watch it was like 300 style badass kickery um and and stardust is really what makes the kick because stardust sells it so well and uh amel you'd think being an actor would be able to do that but it's kind of a different ball game and so the only problem i really had with the match um at least on that side was that amel is you know not a professional wrestler and so he couldn't quite get the sell down as well as i would have liked he was he was a little stiff he was yeah Yeah. i mean um I, what I did like about it, though, is, and I'm sure the guys probably told him in the back uh, when he delivered uh, punches and kicks and stuff like that, is not to uh, uh, not to try and hold back or pull him too much because he's not a professional at it, and if he's he does that, it's going to expose probably. it a little bit more than mm-hmm. uh, it already is. So uh, he kind of laid him in pretty good, tatered him a couple times uh, with some punches and stuff. Oh no, and, that that like I said, I I think um, it just kind of goes to me to show what professionals these guys are because the especially the big moves. 
the big part of that is the sell from from the pros here. And you can see there there was another, you know, big where um like Amel jumped off the top rope um out into the um I forget what it's called, but like the side area, not in the ring proper and, and you know, took down a couple of the, the the um Barrett and Stardust. And it's Barrett and Stardust that are really doing all the work there. All Amel has I mean, it, it's kind of an interesting business because you're really trusting the other guy to not fuck your shit up. Like yeah. if they just moved, he he's over, so yeah, no, I, I I thought it went went very well. Um, and then Eddie and I were talking before the show, and uh, one of the things that I mentioned is that as much as everybody knows these days that professional wrestling is a work, at least anybody in this country, there's some countries where everything is still they live and die by um, kayfabe, which is their code word for you know there's there's people getting character kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, Mexico, for one, there's still kayfabe as fuck down there, which is weird, but. Hmm. Um, the um the match was actually won by Neville, um, which to me wasn't a surprise. I think a lot of people that were watching probably specifically because of this match um, would have been surprised. But as I said before, as much as it's ex- as it's been exposed for several years and we know it's a work, um, there, there's still a certain amount of protection there. Um, and a lot of these guys aren't still going to be happy with a newcomer, an outsider coming in and you know, covering a guy for a pin one, two, three, that's not an actual wrestler. So, um, that didn't happen and I didn't expect it to. So I I think everything kind of went. Yeah. I think there was a little bit of that. Like when they were setting up the match and and Mel was talking to triple H and triple H said something like, you know, like said very snidely, like you're an actor, you know, like, I think that that was a little bit, uh, kind of a half scene behind the curtain because obviously they're doing the deal, but I get the feeling that, uh, like I'm not saying the wrestlers were going to be dicks to him or something like that, but I do think that it is kind of a bit of a club, you know, like it's oh, a yeah. bit of a, you know. But anyway, uh, I was pretty impressed with the match. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is, um, I have not watched wrestling regularly since I was in high school. Um, and, it was pretty easy to get back into pretty quick. And I found myself, you know, thinking maybe I'm going to pick it up a little bit more again. So, um, I'm sure that this was a win for WWE. This is probably a win for, uh, uh, the, uh, arrow show too, because I'm sure there's a lot of cross pollinization like that. Like mm. who the hell is this nice. guy? And yeah, that's enough to get them into the first couple of episodes on Netflix or something like that. And then all of a sudden they've blown through the first season in a weekend. Like I did. So, what did you think of the um, overall experience with the the network navigating the WWE network and whatnot? Uh, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible either. Like it could have been better. Like there, but um, there's much worse out there. So what platform did you use? Uh, I think just a browser. Just, just a browser. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, honestly, the, the the WWE network has been um, it's been around for a year and a half now, I think, and the browser experience has has not changed. Really. Um, hmm. But uh, consoles, um, consoles and Apple TV, um, Samsung, newer Samsung TVs actually have the WWE Network app built in. Yeah. Uh, things like that. Completely different experience. So. That actually doesn't surprise me too much. It, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that, like, that is not at all the primary venue or way that that's consumed. Like, I still watch a lot of shit in the browser, but I think a lot of people probably more and more are using some kind of box in front of their TV. What What surprises me about it? Uh, and this is kind of a tangent that we really hadn't intended to talk about, but Which it's is interesting. Which is nothing new for the show, so mm-hmm. right. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really interesting to me about it is that every console or device 
is different in some way. The interface is not uni uniform across all the platforms, which in a way I actually really like because um, it's like trying to fit different size shoes into the same size box. Yeah. And it doesn't work sometimes. And these guys aren't even trying to do that. They're just like, you know what? This works for the Roku. This works for the PlayStation. Um, this works for whatever else. The only, the only app that I've heard terrible things about is Xbox One. And honestly, that doesn't surprise me because who fucking buys an Xbox One anymore? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's actually kind of interesting to bring up. Like, I hate it when you're, um, using a, an app that tries to do that whole, um, we're going to have the same feel on every device thing mm. instead of respecting the platform that it's on. Like, I chose to buy an Android, an iPhone, etc., and so on and so forth. So I want it to feel like the other apps on my Android or iPhone and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, like, one of my favorite apps, however, that's not always correct because one of my favorite apps that I use all the freaking time is uh, Plex on a Roku. And the previous Plex app on the Roku, which felt very much like a Roku app, was terrible. Like, just a nightmare to navigate. When they switched it to the um, a more familiar interface that's a lot more similar to their other platforms and clients, um, it felt a lot better. So for, for most things, I would say you should probably adhere to the platform you're on, um, you know, technology designers. But it's not always the right answer. Agreed. Of course, iTunes, you can just suck a cock because you're screwing it up uh, all over Windows. So. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. You do uh, not count. Um, okay. Program is a hairy ball sack. <sighs> iTunes and Windows Media Player both. Sometimes I'd like to just wad them both up into a ball and burn mm -hmm. them. Oh, I see. Like, I'm, I'm that guy that still uses an iPhone for everything. And mostly the only thing I really use iTunes for on my computer anymore is to jailbreak my iPhone. But, yeah. um,. I I cannot believe how shitty it runs like on modern hardware. Like, at least at least with Windows Media Player there are like capable alternatives. With iTunes, like I've tried a bunch of different shit to try to just put music on my phone yeah. without it being a gigantic fucking nice. nightmare that takes 4 hours, you know. <laughs> and it's just the the options out there to replace iTunes or kind of get around whatever programming Apple has that's, you know, for for media players, there's like a thousand better ways to play music on Windows. Um, yeah, VLC like. But is if you're still using easiest one, if you still have to deal with, uh, um, yeah, VLC is actually what I use too. Um, I use VLC for all the movies and music and stuff like that because it's easy and I already have it there for video, so why not? Um, yeah. Super. But yeah, fast. if you still ever have to touch iTunes for your iPhone, God help you. Are, are you still forced to use iTunes to transfer music onto it if you're not jailbroken? Sort of. So, like, the primary way that I use um, music on my iPhone these days is through iTunes Match. So iTunes Match is their thing where you upload all your music to iTunes, and then you don't really have to sync your phone ever again to get music over it. You just It's up in the cloud, and iTunes can download it all, all automatically, or, you know, individually if you choose, or stream on demand or whatever. So it's similar to the Amazon Cloud and the Google Cloud stuff. Sort of, yeah. yeah. I don't. Well, the one nice benefit is is if you have a large collection, um, say that you've ripped from CDs, probably that you own, <laughs> that you own legitimately. Copies of, of course. Um, you can use iTunes Match to further help legitimize those um, and get you a nice like, cloud copy. And it was also another nice benefit is if you've ripped some older CDs, which actually. No jokes. Jokes aside, I ripped some older CDs before I knew what I was doing. At you know, say like 128 um, WMAs that I've converted to MP3s. Um, yeah, horrible. 
Um, but you can get the full quality but with you iTunes can, Match. With iTunes Match, though, you can go download the, the I think it goes to 256 by default um, uh, AAC, which is actually a pretty solid format. So I know the Amazon Cloud service is really nice because if you are uploading your music to the Amazon Cloud and it recognizes that as being... Um, a title that's already there. Yeah. It doesn't bother taking up space in your cloud. Yeah. So you don't have to pay for a bigger cloud. Just, I, just to I do that. So. like that too. But it, actually, ironically now, um, I started, this is going to be really hard. I can't decide if I'm going to keep Spotify because I don't know if I want the extra cost for more entertainment shit. But right now it's all Spotify. Like I, um, almost exclusively I use Spotify anymore because yeah. it's uh, all there. And just generally speaking, that's not always true. Like Tool is probably the most notable that I yeah. still listen to all the time that is not on Spotify. But and Taylor Swift, they're not on anybody though. Yeah, like Tool's not on iTunes. Tool's Tool's nowhere. You pretty much have to buy it, like the CD, yeah. or maybe off their website. I. That's the thing about Tool though. They they have that ability because when a new Tool downloads. record comes out, people are going to buy it. You know, not... I wouldn't be super surprised if this changes though because. Um, Originally, I got the idea that that was sort of a philosophy, but we got to keep in mind the last Tool record was released like nine years ago. Not Lateralis? No, oh, no, 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 no. 10,000 Days. 10, yeah. Oh, 10,000 Days. Like, You're right. I think 2006. Um, so we're, we're nine years past. So in 2006, it wasn't unreal. Well, I think 10,000 Days was actually a, a, a prediction as to how long it would actually take to get the next record out. At this point, we're getting pretty close. It feels like we're getting pretty close. And that's only a little bit bullshit on Matt's part. <laughs> and you're you're 100 percent right. Ten thousand days was 2006. Yeah. So um, anyway, we're we're ten years away now, and uh, Maynard's obviously done other projects, and the other boys in the band have done other projects. Like Christopher, most notably, um, is all over you know uh, other streaming media and stuff like that. They pop up on iTunes or on iTunes and Pandora and shit like that all the time. So wouldn't surprise me if we saw that on. Um, iTunes soon or something like that, but I don't know. We'll see if they ever print out another no, fucking record. He, do, he doesn't need the money, though. Is the thing like it's it's not about like the media. That's that's not one hundred percent true anymore. They've been through a number of lawsuits recently that well have been kind of taxing on so. the band as a as a whole. But, uh, maybe maybe ne- not necessarily their personal assets, but right. I mean the tool property has kind of been damaged over the last few years because of those lawsuits. Yeah. I think the last was trying to get out of a deal with their record company, which is finally kind of over. But Maynard said publicly, I think that, um, the holdup is not him. Like I think everybody assumes the holdup is Maynard, but, um, because Maynard's involved in so many other things and everybody thinks he's probably just wanting to sit by and make wine. Um, but they said, he said rather publicly, the holdup's not him. The guys are writing the music, um, which is, you know, Maynard writes the lyrics, but the guys really handle, um, you know, Adam, uh, um, and the rest of the guys. Yeah, well, I can't think of his name. I want to say Drew Carey, and that's so fucking retarded. <laughs> <laughs> Just picture Drew Carey. It's probably a drummer, drummer, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, a- Adam Jones and, uh, uh, Justin Chancellor and, God, Danny Carey. Danny Carey, Danny best Carey, fucking yeah. drummer probably working today. Why couldn't I think of that? Anyway, um, they said that they're still writing the music, so there we are. Cool. See, clusterfuck. That was yeah. a hell of a tangent. Huh? Yeah, like that. None of that shit is actually in our in our agenda, but whatever. Um, Moving right along. So let's uh, let's move on to one more piece of business that is a carryover from last episode. We talked about Michael Shannon having flippers. He doesn't yeah. have flippers. Nope. <laughs> News came out like immediately later. Like, nope, uh, nope. What you're reading isn't what you think you're reading. He's, He's not, not actually even in it. 
flipper hands or anything stupid like that. So yeah. yeah, yeah, he's not even actually in the movie. Apparently, he was on set in a trailer, but for no reason. So <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I'm famous, and I want to hang out and take advantage of the craft table. Yeah, all right, Michael Shannon. I'm yeah. Fine. So um, there's there's a link that'll be in the show notes. You can read the article, but uh, no flippers. Hmm. Yeah, he's not going to be Aquazod or anything of that sort. He just wanted he's to not gonna be the Izod. He just wanted to. He just wanted to put a dead hooker in in Affleck's trailer and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Affleck. Again. I wasn't even with a hooker today. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh Jesus! Did Jen put you up to this? That bitch is trying to do everything in this divorce now. Anyway. Um. Uh yeah, so what do we got? Um, let's move on to new business. Do we have new business? Is there's anything new? Lots. Well, in entertainment these days, sort of. Actually, this is new old stuff. Um, so the next thing we have in the show notes this week is um, there's some storyboards popped up for the original Batman the animated series, as in the mm. 1992 oh, yes. um, series that made all the voices we've known and loved and talk about on the show over and over again. Mm-hmm. Storyboards popped up for the original um series uh uh intro animations and it's just really cool to look at in my opinion like it looks awesome um and it also gives you an idea for um what i think is a fairly unique world um for batman like they could have gone a lot of different ways i really really love the way that gotham in the world looks like in uh batman i always really appreciated that show because you couldn't tell if they were actually in like the 1940s or modern times or what have you. I mean, there was computers, yeah. obviously, and stuff like that, but everything looked yeah. very... Um, the architecture was, was gothic in nature. The cars always looked a little bit... Yeah, they, right. they, the and, hats, the, the right. dress style. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the mobsters like wore the, the typical fedoras and overcoats and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. So, um, And Eddie, I'm not sure if you know this about Bryce, but Bryce and his brother Sam have actually been reading Batman comics for years. Since no. about as long as I can remember. Um... So, how important is Batman the Animated Series in the overall hierarchy of, of Batman, especially for people today, do you think, Bryce? I, I think it's bigger for people today than it is in the overall. Because, I mean, because people grew up with it on TV. They grew up with the the cartoon. Uh, personally, I didn't as much. I caught a few episodes, obviously, but, you know, I didn't have... TV on a regular basis when I was growing up. So, you know, I also grew up in a cave. Yeah, mm. yeah, a cave in fucking western Afghanistan. Uh, and Which is really we nice only got HBO, year. so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but realistically, like you know, you you Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy, like all the all the big voices that everybody associates with the characters. Like a lot of people nowadays, when they're reading the comics, like that is Batman's voice to them, like their internal monologue voice. And You're right. Oh man, we've we've actually been over this a few times on the show, and that that I think is probably one of the biggest um, legacies that the show is going to have is uh, not simply the animated series, but the entirety of the Timverse. And now we're even expanding past the Timverse. So when I say the Timverse, um, if we haven't covered in this on the show, we're talking about Bruce Tim, who's the creator of a lot of these properties that you probably all know are basically the same thing, like Batman the animated series, yeah. Superman, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, etc. But, you know, these guys are all showing up now in um, um, animated movies and things like that outside of the Timverse. And I think that there are some definite inspirations from the Timverse in even mainstream movies these days. Well, like look I've at seen Suicide a- Squad. 
It, Harley it, Quinn is the main character in that movie, as much as people might think it's Deadshot because it's Will Smith. It's not. Harley Quinn is, no. is what's going to drive yeah. this movie. And she was completely created specifically for Batman the Animated Series. Exactly. Yep. Didn't exist before that. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially, you know, only 90s kids will get this, but um, <laughs> Batman the Animated Series, I think, is probably going to be one of the bigger influences people have on who Batman the character is these days. Mm-hmm. Especially because as much as we're all nerds that are, you know, talking and, and uh, probably a lot of you that are listening that have read the comics and things like that. I don't think that's true for most people. So Yeah. I mean, what I find interesting about the Harley Quinn character that we have now, too, especially going into Suicide Squad, is this Harley Quinn is not the Harley Quinn from the cartoon series by any means. No. Um, no. But she she became a character in the comics not too long after. Right. And yeah, then yeah. the video game series is probably most notably what's helped uh, the Batman, uh, Arkham Asylum, and, uh, and Arkham City <clears throat> specifically, those two Definitely. That kind of fleshed the character out. I feel like I feel like the Suicide Squad character is going to be more similar to that than anything. But these storyboards, another just, it's sort of a peek behind the veil, right? Like, you know, we see it on TV, but we don't really get the idea of how these things come to be and exactly how they happen. And it's like the first Comic-Con that I went to was in San Diego, I think 2004. Um yeah, and, he's a prick. You know, before yeah. before it was this huge, like now everybody's heard of Comic Con. You know, like like back then, my buddy's just like, "Hey, I'm gonna go to Comic Con." I'm just, and I, I was like, "What is that?" Like, yeah. I had no idea. But you know, one of the first things that I did that I um, was kind of most excited about when I found out it was there. You know, you went to the artist row or whatever, and they had like the original artwork from issues that these guys have worked on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that stuff, all that kind of background stuff that's not the finished product, but it kind of gives you an idea of where the creative process is and kind of how it flows. Like, I, I, I enjoy getting a peek at that, and, and this is just, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's just so seminal, really. Yep. Um, Couldn't have said it better. The Thank storyboards, <laughs> to me, are, are interesting because we've put up with a lot of bad comic book movies for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad necessarily. Uh, you owe everybody a beer. Yeah, that was this guy. Really well. I think I've gotten you enough beers today. <laughs> uh, you might have to get another. No. Um, the uh, the thing about the the comic book movies that we have a lot of the times these days is, um, or not these days. These days we have good ones. Um, ten years yeah, ago, though, some of my freeze glasses. We did not. And uh, part of that is is uh, not because of special effects or anything like that. You can do a good comic book movie without having to have all that kind of stuff. The point I'm driving at is the story sucked in a lot of the older ones. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the original Punisher with Dolph Lundgren and, and David Hasselhoff and stuff. It wasn't a good movie. And... It's ridiculous to make a comic book movie that isn't good because the stories are already written and the storyboards are already done. Oh, yeah. This is actually what bothers me the most about some of these movies. Um, You know, like, interestingly enough, a movie that I like but don't love um, is um, Watchmen. Have you read Watchmen? I have read Watchmen. Good, because we'd have to revoke your nerd card. Um, I actually own... Not the graphic novel, but I own most of the original issues from oh, First see, Prince. You're a step up on me because I learned about Watchmen pretty late in the game, like I have with most comic book things. And, I, and of course, 
read Watchmen, loved it, um, saw the movie, and uh, that that to me was one of the things that struck me immediately, especially because I had read Watchmen again right before the movie came out, is that Watchmen the comic is very much just storyboards for how the movie rolls. Um, so it, it took me, it was a little surprising that it, uh, to me that it took so long to take this source material and use it in that manner, you know, where it's such an obvious storyboard. That, that's actually the, the first example of a movie that I, that I was extremely satisfied with that particular piece of because it was the first time in my memory that they've made a comic book movie that was done the way the comic book was done. True. Right. Graphic novel. And, um, I actually didn't have any problems with it. It wasn't as action-packed as I think a lot of people are expecting like a popcorn comic book movie to be, but it followed the story to a T. Yeah. Um, and Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach. Rorschach was probably my favorite. I think their mistake was the... Uh, you know, the the promotional stuff leading up to the movie. I don't know if they knew how to promote a comic, like a, a superhero comic book movie that wasn't... You know, the Batman, Avengers, Superman. Batman, Spider-Man, you know, the action-packed, that kind of stuff. Like, Watchmen's not about that, obviously. No. It's it's much more philosophical. It's a lot it's a lot deeper. And I don't think audiences that were unfamiliar with the source really expected that. No, and I don't, I don't remember what the box office was on it. But my impression was that the people that saw it are people that were already familiar with the Watchmen story. The so part. they didn't really draw in a ton of people otherwise. Yeah. Um, Unless I think you, it did okay, but not like it's it's definitely not something that they're gonna. I, I'm glad that they aren't gonna try and make a sequel of it, but I mean, in, unless you were intrigued by the overall idea of a giant nude blue guy, blue, blue guy. <laughs> I mean, you probably didn't go if you didn't know. Giant naked blue god, yeah, with a huge dong just hanging around. Yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, you don't see that one cosplayed very much these days. <laughs> well, could you imagine the not, stones? You, well, you wouldn't have to imagine the stones on the guy that did that. <laughs> yeah, because they'd be right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, I, I really like the Watchmen movie, um, but yeah, I, I, that, that's probably a salient point. Like, um, you can't really promote Watchmen very well to a non-comic book crowd or some people who have no idea the source crowd is because it's a superhero. It superheroes are a backdrop part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the story is much different than that in, in that um, you can't really, I think, tell a good Superman story where Superman doesn't have any powers. Um, and although powers and shit like that are a big part of the Watchmen story, it's not really about that at all. <clears throat> no, and I think that's an interesting point, though. Zack Snyder directed that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, he directed another movie that some of you may have watched called Man of Steel, where the superheroes were definitely still... Very much in the backdrop. It wasn't really a story about a superhero. It was, I mean, he hadn't been become a superhero yet. So mm-hmm. um, that's why Dawn of Justice, I think, is going to be. Uh, uh. It, it's going to be interesting to me. I'm I'm excited to see Zack Snyder direct a movie that is specifically about superheroes rather than <laughs> fighting each other. Right. I just came in my pants a little bit right now. That's normal. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, see, we went from Batman storyboards to Dawn of Justice coming without in, even coming in trying. Yeah, it's, it's a solid segue. Um, which we don't. Do we even have any Dawn of Justice news this week? I don't think we do. Oh, oh yeah, we now we do. No flipper hands. We have no flipper hands, which we already covered, and we have um, maybe not. 
We'll find a link for it. There's new there's new stills from Donna Justice. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think I've even seen those, so. No. Not say anything else. We'll talk about those in the next episode, I guess. Yeah, we'll, yeah. All right, so we want to talk about, what do we want to talk about next? Um, we want to talk about Fear the Walking Dead? We can. Okay. So, Fear the Walking Dead came out uh, around two weeks ago. Um, there are two episodes out, three tomorrow. Three yeah, the third week. one comes out tomorrow, so it's three weeks ago. Yeah. So um, no, I'm, I'm sorry. There's a there's a week hiatus this week, so it's actually going to be another week before the other. Oh, okay. We might actually be able to be caught up by the time we do this again. So I've only seen the first episode. Matt has seen the second one. Um, so I'm going to go first, and then uh, Matt will correct or probably just snicker quietly in the background about all the different. I'm not going to spoil anything for Eddie. So um, anything that I have to say about episode two will be very much a generalization. So yeah. Anyway. Um, Fear the Walking Dead actually had one of the biggest openings, or if not the biggest opening, for a cable news uh, or a cable TV show. I think it was um, the biggest, <clears throat> biggest audience for a pilot, anyway. Yeah, and I think if not for name recognition, it may have shut down quite as quickly, um, just because the first episode is really, really slow, um, and there is a lot of cliched writing in it, and um, you know, zombies are not the fo- focus in the Walking Dead universe, but there, there's like. One, maybe two, I think, in the entire show, and they they are on the screen for maybe three minutes combined. So, um, it 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 wasn't bad, um, but I I would um, not be surprised if it was one of those shows that ended up with a cult following that got canceled after five episodes, if not for the fact that it was part of the Walking Dead, which is a well established, gigantic, important universe at this point. So. Not bad. I'll keep watching. It's not. It wasn't so cringy, awful that I, I'm not going to watch it again. But it was nothing that I thought was particularly special either. So to uh, enlighten those who may not have watched it, Fear the Walking Dead is a spinoff from the Walking Dead uh, series. Has been on AMC for uh, five, going on six seasons now. Um, it's a prequel, though. Uh, this where where Fear the Walking Dead picks up. We are just now seeing the first. Um, signs of what will become the walkers that that we all know and yeah and the zombie love. outbreak whereas in the walking dead universe i think we're about two years in yeah two to three i don't yeah. it's it's somewhere it, in there it's, it's vague because of course it's the fall of mankind so we don't really have an exact calendar right um what's interesting about this show is that for the first time because the the this series does not have roots in the comic books it does not have roots in the original series um, both the comic books and the original series pick up in the exact same spot, which are it, it, the main character of that series, Rick Grimes, wakes up from a coma in a hospital and everybody's fucking dead or yeah. undead. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't go through the process of how did this happen or how quickly did it spread or anything like that. And that's what we're seeing in this first one. Um, this first episode, things didn't spread all that quickly. <laughs> nope. Um, my big problem with it, though, is... The way that they wrote dialogue for some of these people who are living, for the most part, a, a normal everyday life. I, I don't know that these writers are familiar with writing for that specific kind of scenario. Um, one thing in particular that I had a problem with was the, the dialogue from the nurse that was talking to one of the main characters who was uh, hospitalized after he freaked out when he saw a zombie eating somebody and ran away, got hit by a car, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, she tried to bring him a bedpan and he was like, I don't have to go. And her, her response to that was, I walk the dog when I want to walk the dog, not when the dog wants to go. Yeah. And yeah, you're not going to stay a nurse very long. If you talk to people like that, <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So that's one of those things that I felt was kind of like Eddie used the word contrived earlier. And I think that was, that was a way of trying to write witty dialogue into a scenario that didn't really have to have it. And quite honestly, I'm not really sure that we needed that scenario to begin with. Like, no. There, there was a lot of, quite honestly, a lot of this episode I thought was a little bit unnecessary, like, um, and, and stuff like that probably falls right at the top of the list for me. Like, it was a long episode. I, I believe this was an hour and a half. It was, yeah. <clears throat> um, and I think they could have cut it down to an hour and it would have been a much tighter uh, pilot episode. So, anywho. Yeah, because by the end of it, it, it did actually pick up a little bit. It just took it that first hour to get to the point where it was starting to pick up. Yeah. Um... What I will say about the second episode is uh, that it, it, it does move along much more quickly, and uh, it is, yeah, there's a lot going on in the in the second episode, and like I said, I, I'm not going to spoil anything for either of these guys in the room in case they're going to watch it. I know Eddie is, I don't know about Bryce, but um, it's, there, there's, there, there's too much going on there, and not too much, I don't think, but it's it's kind of hard to describe without actually spoiling, so I'm not going to. Uh, but go watch it. Um, if you didn't like the first episode because it was too slow, watch the second episode because it'll redeem it. Yeah, so... I, that's all I got on The Walking Dead. For yeah. The Walking Dead. Uh, new actual Walking Dead, though, is uh, mere weeks away at this point. I think yeah, five so weeks, Five weeks, six weeks, somewhere around there. So you want to talk about The Flash next? We have a flash. We have a little bit of flash. What do we have? What do we have in the flash? We have another There's speedster. Oh right! In the Flash universe. So this, uh, it looks like we've got a uh, spoilers. Yeah. We got Jesse Quick coming to the Flash universe, which means we're getting a veritable cornucopia yeah. of speedsters mm-hmm. in the Flash universe. Um, even in the second season, I think we've got a confirmed casting for Wally West. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about that last episode. Yep, we know we've got Jay Garrick. Yeah, Jay Garrick is going to be in there. So, um, Jesse Quick, Wally West, Jay Garrick, The Flash, and the... Zoom is coming. Professor Zoom. We don't have casting for yet. Um, (laughs) But that's, what, five? Yeah. So. I It it actually, I'm hard-pressed to think of anybody major that we're missing. Help me out if I'm wrong, but... Uh, Impulse. Okay, yeah. But you know, it always struck me that the Flash universe didn't really bleed over as much into the other universes as some of the other works. Yeah, just I seems mean, like it's a it's a standalone thing, and everybody's fucking fast. So, Hal Jordan, um, Green Lantern, and the Barry Allen Flash did several crossovers through the comic books over the years, but it was like a team up kind of thing. Number yeah. one, Green Lantern books didn't necessarily sell all that well if there wasn't other superheroes in it for a long time, so they, they would partner them up. It's actually what led to the uh, Green Lantern with Green Arrow series that that came out in the 70s and stuff, is because with those two together, they were actually selling books better. So, um, And it has come together in notable ways. Like, for example, the whole New 52 reboot came as a result of the uh, Flashpoint Paradox, which you can, if you don't want to read the books, you can go back and watch the movie, um, which actually was not too bad, but you get a good overview of the Flashpoint Paradox and what led to the sort of reboot of the DC Universe with the New 52. So sometimes it does. Um, The other big notable crossover event would be um, um, Crisis. So there's definitely some big Flashpoints, uh, or Flash parts of um crisis 
Yeah. Um, that's, I, the Flashpoint Paradox was interesting to me because it's, it's the first time that DC has really done a, a reboot yeah. per se, um, without using a crisis X, 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 whatever. Yeah. You know, after it. So, um, and it's one of the things that I actually really, really liked about uh, the Flashpoint Paradox is that the Flash goes back in time and shit happens and shit breaks all the time and it usually gets rebooted or fixed, you know. Like, I, I quite honestly, I think we're going to see a little bit of that come in Season 2. Like, I think we're going to see a little bit of fixing of some of the bigger points in there. Maybe not. I think we're going to get some crossover. Obviously, Jay Garrick is not... It does not appear to me like Jay Garrick is coming from the same Earth that our Barry Allen is coming from. So I think we're going to get some crossover and pollination there, but or pollinization there. But um, I really, that's one of the things I really liked about the Flashpoint paradox is that Flash goes back in time, fucks shit up, and there's some really major consequences. Yeah, I think I think uh, part of that is, and where we're going to get some of these characters too is going to have to do with the the new series that's starting up as well. Which, Legends. Yeah. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow, which is going to deal a lot with time travel and fixing. Yeah. Things. So. Um, excited to see Jesse Quick. Um, she's not one of the more major characters, mm-hmm. but she's she's fun. Um, in terms of that, and her parents were both superheroes and. The actress they got to play her is just cute as a button. Smoking hot. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely helps. Um, yeah, I'm not... Well, I mean, I, I know of Jesse Quick, but I'm not deep into her backstory, so I think that'll be interesting, too. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting is um, when they first... Uh, when we, as we were watching The Flash and it became clear we were going to get some of these big names in the first season and some of these big events in the first season, I was a little... Um, like weary about where they were going to go from there. And so I'm having that same kind of feeling now we're introducing some major players in the flash universe in season two. And so I, I'm a little worried about where they're going to go from there, but uh, I think that's kind of a laid now because they totally nailed season one, in my opinion, like couldn't really have much of a better uh, first, first season. So no flash season one was probably the best first season of any kind of, sci-fi slash comic book superhero show yeah, that I've ever seen. So. I, I really like um, Arrow season one, except for there are some definite filler episodes in the middle, which The Flash suffers from a teeny, teeny little bit. But if we go back to Smallville season one, just don't. It's Monster of the Week for the first three years almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it, it, it's pretty painful. Well, that kind of pioneered it, though. I mean, it yeah, really have I, a lot of... It definitely you know, put the CW on the map as far yeah, as being something the... something that's going to carry that type of show. Right. Yeah. Um, which... I think they tried to fight for a little while because they did turn down Supergirl. Yeah. Um, and which is now going to be on CBS. But well, honestly, though, like what there was like the Lois and Clark, but what other live action superhero type shows were there prior to that? Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, <laughs> well, there was the Wonder Woman series from. You go oh, way, way back. back. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going campy at that point, though. It like, depends on is, how far back you but go. That's how we've comic had... books were viewed back then. So they weren't considering it camp. They were just like, "Hey, look, this is comic books. This is yeah, that's fair." Point. If you go Absolutely. back to, if you go back, you can you end up with a Spider-Man live action, and of course, we had the Flash live action in the '90s. I actually yeah. really liked the Spider-Man live action. Uh, honestly, for whatever reason, I, I, I really enjoyed those. Saw some of it, but I, I, <laughs> I can't for the life of me remember it. So, but. Uh, yeah, um, Jesse Quick. Looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I was w- w- nervous about hearing all the things they're planning on doing, or it looks like they're planning on doing with season two. But the Flash has proven itself can pretty consistently awesome so far. So, in my opinion, all they have to do is not fuck it up. So. Yeah, and it's it's hard for me to really kind of dive into what's going to happen this season at this point because right now we we know literally nothing about where the story is going from the opening of of season two. Um, we know obviously that Barry has to stop the crazy vortex from sucking the earth into it. Nah. Mm. Um, because that was the cliffhanger that was... I really hope it's not one of those cliffhangers where they kind of, they shoulder it aside as soon as the next season starts and just treat it like it's yeah. not even a... Just like too many, too many shows do that. Yeah, they find some deus, whatever, ex machina or... Yeah, something Dose ex machina. Yeah, yeah. Doll <laughs> sucks watching all. That's, that's Eddie's catchphrase. Oh, nice. So, you're trademark infringing now. I <laughs> <laughs> wasn't warned! Um, but... No, he he's right though. Like that really really drives me crazy, and that happens a little bit with Smallville too, and yeah. it happens even a little bit with the Arrow. Like you have these big humongous like plot ending, and then by the middle of the next episode, they're done. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to worry about it anymore. So, um, it's like yeah, we got the viewer in for another season, so we can just we can just ignore that impossible situation that we set up and, yeah. and just so, pretend like that. Didn't honestly, happen. the pessimist in me th- says that I think that a little bit of that is going to happen with the Flash. Um, because I think that what we're going to see is some subtle changes to the universe. Like, I think that this is going to be a big enough deal. We've got like sort of a, um, huge, you know, uh, uh, time temporal event. And I think we're going to see a little bit of, of change and it's going to quickly become the norm. I don't, I don't mind a little bit of that, but I I definitely want to see how he actually closes the stupid vortex. Yeah. So if they don't ignore that. Well, but I, I, (laughs) But, I have a guess. I have a guess. Can we can we put a pool on this? My guess is he runs around it really fast. Yeah. Until it closes. I can already <laughs> tell you that you're wrong because he ran into it at the be- at the end at the very end. That's of not the, around it. That's the... not around it. Into it is not around it. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm telling you you're wrong. Yeah, motherfucker. So, Maybe you're around it on the other side. All right. You ever, right. That? Like you ever a, think of that smart guy? They they should have like a flash, uh, you know, problem solving flow chart, and it's like, <laughs> am I still the flash? Yes. Okay. Run really fast. <laughs> yeah. Is the problem still there? Run faster. <laughs> right. The speed force. The end. Yeah. 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 Is there yellow lightning crackling off of your ear things? Yeah. No. Then run faster. Run faster. You're not trying hard enough. Very. <laughs> quit being a little bitch. Um. Okay, so anyway, that's, I think, our Flash news for this week. Just quick. As our our cast. Si- sidebar, how fancy do you want to go with our next beer? Um, we are doing a podcast that's entirely dedicated to nerdy things. Mm. So Let's I think go. you know what I'm thinking. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Deal. You guys continue. I'll be back shortly. Um, well, before you leave, how much do you know about Booster Gold? How much do I know about what? Booster Gold. How much do I know about what? All right, go pour some beer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And quite honestly, Matt's carrying this conversation. I don't know if I should go hold the glasses or whatever, but... No, um, Booster Gold is... Uh, he's he's a superhero from the future. Uh, he was um, not a superhero in the future. In fact, he was kind of a con man and an asshole. <laughs> um, but he, he comes back with his quirky little like floating robot thing that talks to him all the time and stuff, and he decides that since he's from the future and knows so much that he's going to be the bestest superhero ever, um, to the point where he poses for cameras and shit like that. And he's still kind of an asshole, but he's a fun, he's a fun asshole now, uh, at least in the comic books. And apparently Nathan Fillion wants to play him on screen. 
And I think you just described exactly the type of character that Nathan Fillion would be brilliant at. Captain Hammer? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so first off, um, my general philosophy with pretty much any TV, film, or, or musical project is that it could use more Nathan Fillion. Um, you could say I'm a bit of a Firefly flam- fanboy, but um, you'd be totally correct. Go Broncos. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I know very little to nothing about Booster Gold. I've only seen him in a few brief appearances in, in a couple of books I've read, and I think here and there, and maybe he might have been in the uh, JLU at some point. Um, but that that sounds like Nathan Fillion to a T. So, uh, yeah, make this happen. Yeah. Plus, the world needs more Nathan Fillion. Yeah. I I think I, I don't think I could have said that. Although any better. See, you thought I was going to carry this. I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a little hurt when uh, Nathan Fillion is not playing the Green Lantern because Nathan Fillion is now automatically the voice I hear when I hear the Green Lantern. Almost as bad as like when I when you say the Joker, I think Mark Hamill's voice. Um, um that's definitely Nathan Fillion for me right now. So uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, God. Damn it! Uh, we'll I'll have to find this later. We'll we'll do it in a future episode. But it's you'll you'll like it and it's hilarious and we'll post it. All right. Um. So we have one more bit of DC news. Um. And this is a question that we'll probably wait for Bryce to weigh in on. Oh look, there he is. Speak of the motherfucking devil. You just grab that and then there's yours. So we are drinking. The Stone Farking Wheaton Wooster Stout. Wooster uh, Stout, excuse me. Uh, I, t- too many black memories about trying to pronounce Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Uh, so this is the Wood Stout. So Matt, tell us about Wood Stout. This is Wood Stout version three, sort of. Um, so Wood Stout uh, started three years ago. He's um, fantastic. Holy shit. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> I should probably take a sip because yeah. I have uh, You're way behind, buddy. Yeah, take, take <laughs> you're way behind. I'll, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the lead on this one. So, Stone has been one of my favorite breweries since Fuck, I that's good. was in California. Probably 2003, 2004, I, I, you know, Stone became like a go-to brewery before I knew shit about beer even. And they teamed up with the, the prince, I would say, of geekdom. Mr. Will Wheaton. Mr. Will Wheaton. Uh, Wesley Crusher on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Doctor uh, Parrish on Eureka. He's he plays, in fact, Will Will Wheaton on The Big Bang Theory for fans of that show. Yeah, Not that does. I am one, but that's some name recognition there. And it generally, and all around, he's kind of a Renaissance man, really. Like he he does brewing. You know, he's he's a lot into games. He's a lot into. If like you, if if you're gonna do a character analysis of Will Wheaton, I gotta I gotta interject here. Sure. Will Wheaton. Um, was on the cover of fucking Teen Beat and Tiger Beat and every other mm-hmm. magazine that teenage girls beat off to um, back in the in the and late eighties, early nineties. Um, dude was way famous. Um, Gordy Lachance, stand by me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, dude was way famous. Uh, also, um, didn't handle it all that well because. It, the entertainment world did not want Will Wheaton to be who Will Wheaton wanted to be. And he lived his life for a long time, believing that he had to be somebody else in order to be successful. And so he kind of went away for a while. Um, went through bouts of depression, still has some anxiety issues and stuff like that, but basically has reinvented himself over the last several years. Um, and when I say reinvented, just, I mean, he has become 
who he has wanted to be his entire life, which is who he has been. Right, but, he let himself be who he is and stop trying to kind of cater to what the magazines and the and the media thought he should be. And he, he just is very honest with, with himself and, like, what he liked and the kind of stuff that he liked to support. And I, I respect him a shitload for that. And and he helped him along with uh, Drew Curtis from, from FARC.com, which is the, uh, those are the, the, the way that the name of the beer was given was the Stone Farking Wheaton. So Fark, Wheaton, Stone, Woot Stout is a very, very heavy, was it Russian Imperial, you think? Um, it's not classified as that. Okay, just a standard stout. Um, but, but it is it is thirteen percent ABV uh, yeah. this year. So that would survive the journey to Russia. Kind of a background on the beer. They um, they did this three years ago, and uh, it was very good three years ago. Last year, I believe Greg Cook was not in the country when they did their uh, their version two. Um, so they brought in another well-known name amongst nerds, um, which would be Aisha Tyler. Um, you may know her as Lana from Archer. Lana! Um, that... Here's another interesting one. Like, I This is relatively new information to me that Aisha Tyler is like a giant nerd. And so I heard Aisha Tyler was hosting, I don't know, maybe some video game thing like Spike's Video Game Awards or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, oh, well, another pretty face to host some, you know... But no, Aisha Tyler's like legit. Like, if you're into nerdy shit like that, like Aisha Tyler probably is too. So anyway, yeah, um, that particular version that they that they brewed with her, not widely accessible. It it, it came out at yeah. Comic Con. It was available in Southern California, and fucking Alabama for whatever reason. Like, it made some weird. Somebody sucked a lot of dick in Alabama. Not I'm surprising. sure people suck a lot of dick in Alabama all the time, but <laughs> mostly siblings, I hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Alabamans. Nah, not really. Um, I've been there, and I'm not. What sorry. can we say? None of you know. If you're from Alabama and don't suck dick, email us questions at whatever If you're, at if you're anyway. from Alabama and you're listening to this, you have the internet out there. Yeah. What? <laughs> um. So the cool thing about this, though, this year's Woot Stout is the original recipe for the most part, but they bourbon barrel aged. Uh, portion of last year's batch and blended it with this year's and fuck it's good yes it's delicious folks it is delicious (laughs) if you like beer go give this a shot if you can get your hands on it because yeah it'll it'll run you probably i think i paid about 12 bucks or something for this one which oh so that one's relatively cheap then yeah yeah it's it's not the worst thing (laughs) for 22 ounces of beer you know no big deal you can you buy like a case of shitty beer for that much money but so i um, you know I will occasionally uh, shoot barbs at Bryce about the price he pays. Uh, for me, $12 for a 22-ounce bottle of beer is a little bit out of, out of my price range because my wife, while well, she yeah, just finished real. nursing school, is not actually a nurse yet. Yeah, um, I know, I know. And Bryce has been known to pay $12 for a 12-ounce bottle of beer in some cases. Um, some cases more. I think for a 12-ounce bottle, I think the most I've paid was... 18 bucks for that that brew dogs one that's like 22 23 percent see there is there is definitely some solid benefits to being a bachelor as Mm. compared to you know a father with multiple of children and and a wife to deal with these here's where bryce (laughs) fucked up he had a girlfriend for a time Mm -hmm. and uh this girlfriend came over here with him and before doing so spent 50 dollars on a 22 ounce bottle of beer 
from mm-hmm. Firestone Walker called PNC, uh, and that was fucking delicious as well. <laughs> I mean, this is fucking swill water compared to that. <laughs> no, it's not. not. I this know it's good. not. It's not. It's not. not, not neither one of them remember that girl's name, but the beer was amazing. Mm. Yeah. Her well, name you know, was Miracles. Yeah. Her name was... I'm sure there's a story. Okay, so this is all getting cut out anyway, but... Yeah. <laughs> her name was... Her, her, her name was actually Milagros, which is Espanol for miracles. miracles. Yes, so... Um, hence, hence miracles. Yeah. But he didn't want to fucking move to Georgia. Georgia so. And she didn't want to not be Who crazy. wants so. to move to Georgia? She wanted to be crazy in Georgia. He wanted to be sane and... Not it's like that. so she fit in. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's but anyway, that was a damn good bottle of beer too. And yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Bryce spends moral of the story. I'm not afraid to put a penny down for beer. Um, moral of the story is don't get married and have kids if you have a choice because you miss out on a lot of good beer. Yeah, unless you have a friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> us poor broke bastards, on the other hand. <laughs> think that Bryce is just the best. Um, um, uh, okay, so our final DC topic. I'm going to ask point blank, both of you, is Superman the most powerful superhero? You know, I have a couple... Are we talking DC Universe, all universes? Like, what's your... Uh, there's a YouTube Limit. video that poses this question Limit. that I haven't watched because it, I'm a shitty co-host. It's okay. Uh, I think that when we're talking about Superman, um, it actually crosses multiple universes because they they talk in particular about the one that I remember at least is Superman versus the Hulk um, mm-hmm. when comparing strength and so on and so forth. So I think we're saying universes are oh yeah because they even talk about like Vegeta and and Goku, uh, yeah, um, DBZ stuff. Yeah. So. Um, we are talking all universes. Is Superman the most powerful superhero? And I will say two things. Um, first off, all of this shit only matters with who's writing them. Because whoever is writing the character is going to decide who's the most powerful, and that's what's going to shine through. Which is why Batman, in several different instances, can kick Superman's ass. In real life, I think what would happen is that if Superman were so inclined, he would throw a rock at Batman from space... And that would be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, you know, the, the writing and the common argument against that would be that Superman would never do that type of thing. Um, except for an injustice where Superman's a total dick and that might be actually a thing that happens. Sure. Um, and here's the other thing you have to look at, too. From a, from a within storyline kind of thing, which, again, is relative because his power set has kind of undergone changes back and forth over This is the actually one of the things years. that they hit, they hit on, and one of the reasons that he argued that Superman is the most powerful superhero mm-hmm. is because Superman's power set evolves and often changes to meet whatever challenge he's thrown against. Mm-hmm. Um, so Superman often is more powerful depending on who exactly he's fighting. And that's sort of the ideal for Superman, is that he is the most powerful, most super, hence the name. Superman. Yeah, but he's got a terrible track record against anything magic. Like, you threw him in a, in a room with Doctor Strange. Granted, again, different universes, but yeah. Doctor Strange would fuck up his world, and he would be locked inside his own head thinking he was fighting Doomsday, and really he would just be in a fucking tiny little room punching himself in the face. See, but this goes back to writing. Who says that um, Doctor Strange even gets time to react because Superman is halfway across the room before uh, Doctor Strange has even moved an eyelash He's flying around the world backwards, turning back time. Yeah. Saving Lois Lane. Yeah, but who's to say Doctor Strange isn't already in his astral form when that happens? Mm. 
See, but that's where you go back to. Right now. <laughs> that's where you go back to. It and then, depends on who's writing this shit. To be there again, you you then have Superman locked in a tiny room, punching himself in the face with Benedict Cumberbatch standing in the corner saying, "Quit hitting yourself." <laughs> and he's I'm not Australian, and that was terribly Australian. But yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch saying, "I committed suicide because I'm gay." Wait, wait. Wait, wait. I've seen movie. that movie. Yeah, but no, we're not. <laughs> I actually haven't watched it yet, but I need oh, to. Good. It is good. It is super. You should. It's watch the Alan it. Alan Turing one, right? Yeah, yeah. Alan Turing, the the forefather of computing. Yeah, you know, essentially invented it all on his own. Yeah, uh, imitation game. Yeah, na- name of that one. But Superman, you know, I think maybe you would run across in writing someone else who who has like a portion of Superman's power. And in, in, in maybe or like a specialty in which they might be superior to Superman. But if you look at the breadth of the different powers that he has, and then just the roundedness of the character, it's obviously going to be Superman. But that's that's a problem, too, because it's really hard to write a good Superman story when, you know, he's essentially he's a god who can do almost anything at will. That's that's what I liked so much about the Death of Superman series with Doomsday and stuff, because that was the first time he'd encountered a being that was oh yeah equal to him in in most things. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, no, you guys are right in, in terms of that. I I just like to throw in the magic thing because well fuck, look at Shazam. Shazam's in the same universe and he's fucking magic based and he's beat the shit out of Superman a couple of times. They essentially have the same power set, but Shazam's is based in magic versus Yeah. The sun. Yeah. So there is one thing I want to throw in really quick because uh because you made me think of it, Bryce a second ago when he was talking mm-hmm. about um there are certain superheroes with subsets of Superman's powers. Like the first one that jumped to mind when you said that was speed. And one of my favorite panels ever in the history of comic books, and I probably already even said this on the show, is um, uh, Superman and and uh, um, the Flash, Barry Allen's Flash, I believe, running around the world, you know, just running. I don't the charity I'm race, I think. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think it was the one for charity. Yeah, and, and, and Superman naively says something along the lines of, Come on, Flash, I've even beaten you sometimes in these races. And and the Flash says, those were for charity, Clark. And then takes <laughs> off what super speed looks like to us mere mortals, you know, like Superman speed. He takes off that fast, like, um, which, you know, actually this is going to be one of my arguments, was that Flash is seriously, ridiculously overpowered. Like, Speed mm-hmm. Force explains... Goddamn near everything. Um, that, that's why his move is there's to a do- fucking your, your dose ex machina right there. Yeah. Um, there's another panel I can think of with the Flash where he talks about there was a nuclear bomb about to go off in something in you know Southeast Asia or something like that, and the Flash saves all, everybody. You know something like three hundred thousand people or some ridiculous number of people in like one point two seconds or something like that hmm. before the bomb explodes. And, and, and he runs somebody, in, grabs them, and, and runs them out? Is yeah. That, sure, that's not like there are G-forces associated with that or anything. The speed force. Oh, um, <laughs> cut that. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Loud and clear. <laughs> I, that, that, that to me is just, you know, when you talk about the most powerful superheroes, there's a good chance that wherever we're talking about that, the Flash at his max power level is going to beat just about everybody because he can move and perceive things in a way that you can't even you can't even react like you cannot even begin to process a reaction before the flash has already dealt your shit like um and this is one of the problems actually that i occasionally have with the show is that there are some cases where like like the bees episode the bees episode of the flash 
It's like, Flash, did you forget you can run really fucking fast? You can <laughs> run faster than fucking bees. Get your ass out of there, Barry. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of dumb. Get your shit yeah. together, Tyrone. But that was all, that was one of those that was one of those filler. Yeah, I, I kind of veering off on a tangent here, but Ezra Miller's Flash, provided he's not stoned out of his fucking gourd, <laughs> which isn't yet to be seen yet. We'll see. Um, if you haven't seen that clip, we'll play it for you at some point. But it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Ezra okay. Miller's Flash. I. It's my. Yeah, you have. Honest and sincere hope that we get that kind of dynamic between Clark Kent and Barry Allen out of those two. It's just in terms of the, yeah, I'll let you win yeah. kind of a thing, you know? Like, that's the that's the Barry Allen I want to see is, is a little bit cocky. Barry Allen, these days, the way he's written, he's kind of a little bit too much in his head. And yeah. I don't, I don't dig that as much as I as I dug kind of some of the older stuff. Maybe maybe it's just because I'm I'm more used to the Wally West Flash too, who always was kind of a little bit more brash about things. Yeah, and that's interesting that you mentioned because Barry Allen's the flash we got, but for quite a lot of people, Wally West is the flash they knew. Well it's because Barry Allen died in nineteen eighty five and wasn't yeah. back until ninety no, two thousand four, I think. So yeah. it's Barry Allen stayed dead for a there. long time. Yeah. Almost, uh, almost as long as Jason Todd. <laughs> that that's true. Uh, that's actually very true. Um, okay, so Superman probably yeah he's. Do you think? Do you think they have like high level meetings at you know DC or whatever discussing this topic? Like you know, do they bring together the writers of like Superman and Flash and be like, yeah, you can put this in your story, but then it makes him more powerful than Superman? Or, or do you think that they actually like do that? Um, I really hope so. I'd really love to see like a bunch of fifty-year-old men in suits, uh, just be, like getting really pissed off about. It. No, seriously, fuck you. Mm. Batman would wreck all of their shit. Batman already knows that that was going to happen. Batman already had a plan for that. So one thing that DC has going for it these days is Jeff Johns, yeah. and I've talked about Jeff Johns before on several occasions. But Jeff Johns, in addition to being one of the preeminent writers for DC these days, um, has also been named in. in the last year and a half or so, I think their chief creative officer. So he's he's an, an executive within the company. So he's now like too. the the yeah. Marvel or the DC equivalent of Marvel's Kevin Page, I would say. Kind of, um, which he's pulling the strings. Except for I don't know how Kev, how much involvement he's, Page has outside. He's of, recently uh, said MCU. some things in terms of Supergirl, which I'm not all that enthused about right now because he's not unhappy with how Supergirl is going, and I really am so but i mean i don't know I don't, I don't know i'm not you know an executive at dc or nothing so what is yeah, my make, opinion matter? The big bucks, uh... no um but yeah no I, I think i think they do sometimes um but i think it's more catty probably <laughs> than how we're being because it's probably more along the lines of hey i was gonna write this in my book this month but you fucked me over because you did something completely different <laughs> but we're DC, so it doesn't matter. Or they could be in both places at the same time. My superhero is better than your superhero. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, DC's been pretty pretty spot on with their continuity between across titles lately. So. See, that's an interesting. I thing think that I that's think... that was sort of the purpose behind the New Fifty Two. Sorry, that which seems is like it. No longer the New Fifty Two now, no. though, because there's forty six titles. I think. Well, but... yeah. <laughs> And I think Convergence was supposed to hold, get rid of the whole New Fifty Two. That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's it, it's pared it down a little bit. Well, so, when that started though, they, like that was sort of a cut off of the old universe, and then it's like everything is within the same universe. 
There's going to be continuity throughout all, all our titles. Yeah, but here's here's the thing, and I've talked about this before, I think, but I'll, I'll cover it real quick. The New 52 did essentially rewrite everything, mm-hmm. except for if you look at the Green Lantern parts, they're essentially still a continuation of what was happening before Flashpoint and before the New 52 <clears throat> took over. Um, based largely in, in, in part... Due to the fact that Jeff Johns was writing Green Lantern and had done such a fucking phenomenal job at it that they were like, no, not touching that. Um, Keeping that one. So I want to say one more thing before we move on. I think part of the reason that you mentioned that um, we're getting a more professional, more in-line DC is that this, I mean, DC and Marvel have always been kind of a big deal within their own niche. Uh, that's no longer true. There, there's no longer a, a superhero niche. It's a gigantic fucking multi-billion-dollar-a-year business, mm. and they cannot simply slap together mm. some shit and explain it away later with really, really obvious shitty writing. It's true. I mean, so anyway, an j- just something. Well, something to think about <laughs> when you're talking about like th- there's a little bit more professionalism in comics these days, for better or worse, and I think that's probably part of it. Yeah, the Ant-Man actually point that you made works kind of against your point rather than for it though because we wouldn't have an Ant-Man movie if they hadn't made themselves relevant to begin with. Like we oh, were sure, sure. I haven't seen it yet. I'm the only one in the room that actually hasn't seen it, but um and I'm still actually looking forward to seeing it. Whereas like 10 years ago if, if somebody had been like, "Hey, we're, there's going to be an Ant-Man movie it's with Paul Rudd," and I'm going to be like, "Why is fucking Phoebe's boyfriend going to be Ant-Man and who cares?" But now yeah. No. It's it's uh I liked it. I was I was more making a joke than anything, and and I don't really give a fuck if your if your continuity actually matches with my joke. <laughs> <laughs> Just laugh, damn it! Hey, hey, we're professionals here. No, we're uh, not. no, <laughs> yeah. Based on our based on the fact being held together entirely by children's hair ponies. It's doing a good job, though. Um, so we got some Marvel shit to talk about. Yeah, let's Marvelous. hear it. Luke Cage. Luke Cage has some cast members. So it's been confirmed that Rosario Dawson um, will appear in the Luke Cage series. Who fucks um, Luke Cage? <sighs> Luke Cage is a superhero that is uh, super strong and bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Okay. And black. So uh, what universe is he from? Uh, it's Marvel, Marvel, so he's from the Marvel, Marvel Universe. This, Marvel this universe. is the 616. Yeah. 616. Detroit Avenue. Similar to the 818, but, okay. you know, just a different area code. No. <laughs> Um, he he's from the the, well, if, the. If Rosario Dawson is there, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hang out in that area code. Mars, have you not watched Daredevil? I have not. I, I regret to say. That too. I regret to say. Okay, seriously, you need to go watch Daredevil because a it's amazing. But yes, Rosario's in that show as well. Mm. Um, like the fact that you're podcasting with us right now and haven't watched it kind of makes me want to put your dick in advice. I mean, you brought good beer, so that's yeah. your out. But I mean. <laughs> No. I have a lot more time to, to, to buy beer than I do to marathon shows, unfortunately. Dude, it's 13 fucking episodes. I know. I know. <laughs> Baseball's over. I got I got more time now, so that's helpful. Okay. So Luke Cage is going to be a series, um, and uh, Rosario Dawson's going to be in it. But there's another character in it, too. Did either of you two watch Sons of Anarchy? Mm. Nope. God damn it. What's wrong with you two? <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the villains for Luke Cage has been cast, and I don't remember his name, but it's in the show notes, so look it up. Um, but it's being played by an actor called Theo Rossi, who played a character called Juice 
in uh, Sons of Anarchy. He was actually part uh, of the Sons of Anarchy now I get motorcycle club. And uh, funny, funny, funny. If watching Marilyn Manson fuck him up the ass during the last season, oh, there we go. Spoilers. wasn't wasn't enough. You can now see him in 2016, I think, in the Luke Cage series. Sick. All right. Uh, Rosario Dawson also is going to be in Jessica Jones, which comes out before Luke Cage. So um, I think uh, between those three shows that she's going to be in, you'll probably see her more in those shows than you will the actual main characters. Are any of those shows on HBO? Netflix. Yeah, actually. No um, no boobs. Netflix is doing um, um, sort of like a mini Avengers is the way that I think of it. Um, So Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, uh, Daredevil... Iron Fist, I think. It's is Iron he Fist. getting his own show, or is he not going to come in until they do the 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 collab series? Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, they're getting their own thing called the Defenders, and um, if they do half as well as Daredevil did, I think this could be a really big, uh, cool entry into the Marvel universe, which is already kind of kicking ass. Um, right. So uh, I especially like this too because Marvel, um, sorry, Marvel, Daredevil is. Um, Quite a bit different in tone, I think, to uh, the MCU. It is, but it's still part of the main universe, which I think is interesting. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see him in. I don't know if he'll be in Civil War. It would be cool, like a movie cameo or a bit part or something. Along yeah, those lines. but I'm hopeful that we'll see him in future like Avengers projects and they, stuff because he is Daredevil. I, I really goddamn want them to mention like something, even if they, you know, even if they just bring up Hell's Kitchen in some way, and they're like, ah, no, don't worry about it, it's fine. Take um, yeah, like they, they gotta, they gotta bring him in there somehow. Yeah, well. We now have Spider-Man that's semi-part of the MCU. Um, it's a co-production now between Marvel Pictures and, and Sony. Uh, the I, Kingpin is also a Spider-Man villain, too. For the, oh, yeah. There's another tie-in so, as well. But yeah, so hopefully we can kind of see some of that shit intermingle at some point. It'd be awesome. I don't know if we will, but... I, I yeah, That's almost too awesome that I think they won't do it, but... Um, I gotta think they want to get Vincent D'Onofrio in there, though, because that man is amazing he, and, and you haven't even watched daredevil i've seen him in it you, that's right you, i've you seen did the watch episode some episodes with, with me yeah. i've seen the episode with you so yeah he's obviously you can if you've seen him in anything you know he can act his ass off but you know he's he's fantastic as kingpin it was weird uh on another side note because i i'd watched daredevil all all of it pretty much all of our notes are side notes yeah and uh and then i went and saw jurassic world Mm-hmm. And of course, his character in Jurassic World is <laughs> not the kingpin. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, well, this guy's an asshole, but I mean, I'm not worried that he's going to bludgeon me when I turn around. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, more, more, more Marvel Netflix news. Uh, John Barenthal mm, from Punisher. AMC's The Walking Dead. Punisher. <laughs> yeah. He's got a nice little Punisher tease. Um, if you want to go check that out, it'll be in the show notes uh, posted online, or you can get it from your podcast player if you don't have a shitty podcast player. Um, we've got just basically a picture of him in front of a bunch of guns, uh, looking all badass, talking about Punisher, Punisher stuff. So, um, uh, again, just excited for the Punisher. That's mainly why I threw this in here. I, I really want to see this. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. from my understanding, John Barenthal, who isn't all that active oh. on social media, has his Twitter account is lit up lately. So yeah, am I being a dumb bitch here? I think the Punisher is part of this whole Defenders thing. Isn't it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think sure. he makes his debut in, in Daredevil season two. Yeah. 
So I didn't hear about that. Punisher, God. Like honestly, even going back to like the old Dolph Lundgren movie, I think that they've done Punisher pretty decently every time they've done him. Obviously some iterations have been better, but we we talked about this a little bit, I think, when you were pouring this beer one other time. Mm-hmm. Um, I specifically mentioned the, the Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren and, and nice. being shitty, but um, but it, 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 it is. But it's, I mean, you can it's still it's uh, it's it's entertaining in a very was it late eighties or it's 90s, entertaining. Right? It's entertaining in a David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury kind of way. It's a product of his time for sure. Hmm. Mm. We're going to talk in cars in it. I don't oh. remember. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, I think that's all we got from the Netflix Marvel U thing. Yeah, do we have any other Marvel shit at all? Is that it? That is it. Okay, so let's um, let's talk about what... Uh, let, let's... There's a couple of... Why don't you hit Mirror's Edge? Yeah, okay. So we got a couple of video game news, sort of quasi-video game news. Uh, first off, Mirror's Edge. Um, so if you haven't played Mirror's Edge, Mirror's Edge is a first-person parkour action game, mm. which sounds really weird, but it's totally awesome. Um, Mirror's Edge came out quite a while ago now. I want to say it was probably... Um, you got like six years, five, six years? Yeah, it, it's been it's been quite a while. But anyway, Mirror's Edge is a parkour game. Um, the play in the first person guns can be a part of it. But however, um, the game is far more <laughs> rewarding if you play without using any guns whatsoever. And really, quite honestly, um, it, you can't really use guns all that effectively in Mirror's Edge and, and it do anything in the game. So um, Mirror's Edge is a parkour game, and you basically play this character, Faith. Uh, the world is uh, relatively open, and the whole object of the game basically is to run your way through these different levels and do all these different cool things, and there's a, a backdrop story, which is pretty awesome. So, Mirror's Edge is coming up now. Um, there's a new game coming out soon, and we've got some game Gamescom footage in the show notes, um, which you should go check out. And I'm super excited because it looks like they've improved on a lot of the things that um, Mirror's Edge the first didn't do all that well. Like, for example... All of the running paths are not red. Um, it looks much more like a choose-your-own-adventure sty- style. You can choose different ways to get to and from things, which you could in the orig- original Mirror's Edge a little bit, but I thought it was a little too, um, you know, lead you by the hand uh, in the first game. Um, from linear. the footage. Yeah. From, it wasn't exactly linear. Well, yeah, it is. It's a linear game. Um, but the path to, you know, the different objectives... Um, it seems like you can get a lot more creative with in this footage. So I'm super excited for this game. I don't think, Matt, you haven't played it. No, I've never played no. it. Bryce? I've, I've seen a video of it, and I've seen you know previews and stuff. I haven't played it, but uh, 2008, by the way, is the release original. Yeah. So seven years. Yeah. That's... Uh... It's it's a uh, not it was never a huge game I think um, um but it definitely has its its fans which I count myself among and I'm really excited for it to come out so um that's in the show notes check it out when you get a chance. Uh, second piece of semi quasi video game news is actually movie news. Um, yeah, we have our first shot of Michael Fassbender. Speaking of people climbing on buildings and running around, yeah, yeah um as uh as an assassin from the Assassin's Creed movie. Um, that we don't know a whole lot about at this point. We're not we're not positive on 
if he's going to be an already established assassin that we've seen in the video games before, or Actually, if he's a I'm new... relatively sure he's not an assassin we've seen in the video games. Um, however, you should take that with a grain of salt, because I haven't played past Assassin's Creed 3, um, because, in my opinion, the video game series has kind of lost its way a little bit as far as the things that I liked about Assassin's Creed. So, one of the big reasons I put this in the show notes is, um, how do we feel about video game movies so far? Um, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't seen a whole lot of them. Mario Brothers sucked ass. Um, Battleship didn't seem like it was a video game movie. Uh, nah. I heard tell that at some point they're supposed to be making Duck Hunt, and... Wait, are you fucking serious right now? Well, there's, uh, a lot of places they could go with that. Like, I kind of already thought we had Duck Dynasty, <laughs> which, I mean, <laughs> come Maybe on. They just well, there was, the uh, guys. The Wizard, obviously. <laughs> now, The Wizard's not necessarily a video game movie. I mean, it is, but it's not. And I like that movie. Well, I, I I'm we talking about, about that last movies night. based yeah, on video games. Movie. So, for right. example, Blood Rain is a movie based on a video game. There's lots of different movies we have based on video games. And my general experience has been that they sucked a lot. Um, so this actually is interesting to me because this might be one of the first semi-decent, uh, quote-unquote, video game movies. Uh, they did Hitman and it sucked. Yep. So, yeah. And it sucked, and it was obvious it was going to suck from the first trailer, so... And um, didn't that have uh, Oli Fantastic in it? Timmy Timmy, Oli Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Timothy Oliphant. I don't think he was the main character. He's probably he a bad guy, though. Was I, think, I think he was the, yeah. the dude. So, with Assassin's Creed, we have a pretty huge fandom going on. Assassin's Creed is currently in, and was one of the best-selling, or is one of the best-selling video game properties... Um, I think that basically everybody has got to be familiar with it if you play video games regularly or semi-regularly, or even have walked past a console um, in the past few years. You've probably got some familiarity with Assassin's Creed. And I'm wondering if this is going to be, um, or rather hoping, this is going to be a little bit of the video game movie renaissance in the way that the superhero genre has been recently reinvigorated as of, say, 2000. All right, so I'm going to ask the philosophical question here. So I'm I'm a nerd, self-described, whatever. So consider that when I ask this next question. Do we need movies based on video games? Uh, do we need movies, period? Well, I mean, no. Question mark. But I mean, in, in terms of <laughs> entertainment value, like, is, is Hollywood entertainment or what we do when we sit down in front of our, in front of our TVs... Is it going to suffer if we don't have a movie made based uh, on a video game? Well, I mean, no. Um, for instance, I would say that uh, just generally making derivative works like this, like based off of video games in which, you know, it, it sort of goes back to like, do we need movies based off of books? Because it, by and large, the book is going to have a lot more better descriptions. It's usually better than the uh, remake movie. And I think the video games are going to be no um, different. Um, video games are generally much longer. You get much more backstory. You get much more immersion immersion in that world. Um, so the movie's probably not going to be as good. Um, just generally speaking, the movie's probably not going to be as good. What I would like to see, however, is that video game movies do, they just don't suck. Like, just a video game movie that I could say, oh, I saw that, and then not, you know, cringe. Like, oh, well, it was a half-price ticket, and I had a free movie thing, and it's uh, that's why I saw it. It's fine. Yeah, I think, I feel like as long as they're not making the movie just to have something to make that they know that they're going to have an audience for and they know they can make money off of. Like, the the one that comes to mind, actually, for me, is going back a ways, but it's the, the Final Fantasy Spirits Within. 
Which, I, can you even call that a video game movie? Because it's not based on a game that anybody ever fucking played. No, you well, know what it's, I mean? Uh, like, they it, called it Final Fantasy, but it was that in name only. I mean, it got a lot of, had a lot of the same stylistic elements as some of the Final Fantasy games, and I, I don't know, I don't remember even if any of the characters were the same. I, I don't no, think that no, they Well, because were, none of the but, Final Fantasy games are, have the same characters from right. game to game and shit, and so that's why I think that was kind of like, I don't know, almost deceptive in, in a way. What made Final Fantasy not total shit, because the story sucked, right. was the fact that it was the first movie that we'd seen where every character was like 100% CG, but it looked very real. I mean, as close to real as we had at that point in time, yeah, it was for sure. It was an important step. Like, even even looking at screen captures now, I recall not, not too long ago seeing uh, stills from it. I, I mean, it's still relatively impressive, and God, that had to come out around the turn of the century. It's a technological it a achievement. It's yeah. a technological right. achievement, but it wasn't necessarily a, a, an achievement for video game movies. Mm. So, well, I don't know. The short answer to your question is no, I, I don't think there's any reason why we need video game movies, but I don't think that should discount their possibility. What I think that, um, um, so far, I think what most people would be dismissive of the genre is because most video game movies have sucked. Like, well, they've just been no. utter garbage. Like, my My point is this. I played World of Warcraft for a long time. I'm sure you did, too. Thank you. I was trying to think of the other movie that I think and, is also going to try to legitimize uh, the genre. And it's coming out. That's right. You, and you, I think, probably as well, um, you've played some of the original Warcraft games, too, correct? Prior to the whole MMORPG right. existence, I, where it was long. more like a command and conquer type of thing. Right, right. Building orcs or building, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I totally loved the story of that just Warcraft at that point, yeah. And and I liked World of Warcraft because World of Warcraft did build upon that story and it, it and it expanded on it. Here's what I haven't done. I haven't read any of the books. I haven't read any of the comic books. I haven't given a shit about anything other than just the story that I get from the game. So the movie, while yeah, it's World of Warcraft, I mean I'd rather spend the fifteen dollars on renewing my subscription so I can play it. You know what I mean? I'll I'll watch it so we can talk about it here. You know, I think but, what you what you're kind of saying is that for the um, or one of the things that maybe I'm thinking about just in general is that the uh, thing about making movies from video games is that the story has never been the main focus. Like the story in video games is not the main focus by and large. It's only been a really, really, relatively game, yeah, yeah, really, really, relatively recent um, thing where the story is the main deal with video games and that people actually play video games purely to get the story out of. Um, I'm thinking of a few different movies or a few different games that come to mind. Uh, Bioshock, although generally a first person shooter, I think Bioshock is one of the ones that constantly gets lauded for its story. The Last, the Last of, Us of Us is a is game that I'm dying to play because mm-hmm. I keep hearing the story is worth playing alone. Mm-hmm. Um, Another interesting one for me was the Walking Dead video game. Have you guys played the Walking Dead video game? I've not. Uh-huh. It's not even really a video game. It's a wa- it's a playable. Um, um, it's it's chapters. It's a playable show yeah. for the most part. Like it's mm. not like uh, any any like the game mechanics are far different from what I would generally associate with a normal a quote unquote normal video game. Right. So just generally speaking, I think what you're saying is. The, the, the show that the important part of a video game is generally not the story. And so it's not all that exciting to see a story come to the big screen. Whereas when you compare that to the comics, 
comics have always been about the story and, and you know moving the plot and all the different ways that we're going to get our heroes out of the. Well, um, that's that's the thing about me is the the. The games that I have played traditionally have always been games that focus on the story. One of my favorite games ever was Final Fantasy III for the Super Nintendo, which, as we know, was actually Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Um, all of those games, and and I mean like the RPG style games, they all rely on story. Like you can't move forward without understanding the story. You like you have to know where you mm-hmm. came from, and you have to know where you're where you're going. Go. Yeah. And so to it's me, on forever. Yeah. Movies based on video games have always seemed kind of pointless because I always thought, well, if the video game didn't have a story to begin with, it kind of sucked. And that's just, but that was my my personal opinion. The same thing is true with um, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, all those kind of things. They have a good story, which is why I like to play it. Mm. Um, so, but some stories are going to be good and not necessarily translate to the big screen, and that's that's whereas why others can be either, you know. That's why I think that you're probably right. I mean, Assassin's Creed and World of Warcraft probably are going to, you know, set things right, so to speak, with with video game movies. But that's because they're already taking them from a video game that actually has a story to begin with. It's not like, like, you made a Super Mario Brothers movie however many years ago, not you guys, but I mean, Hollywood decided for whatever. But for whatever reason, decided to do this. Well, so nobody terrible. gave a fuck about Mario and Luigi's origin. Like, no. we didn't care. We no. just wanted to stomp on turtles. Yeah. Like, that that was sort of a baffling... Like, you could see that was a purely Hollywood decision because they were like, we have this huge property with name recognition. Let's make a movie out of it. You know, the only time I think I've ever... I've actually seen this work successfully? The fucking Lego movie. The Lego uh-huh. movie... Yep. Who the hell cares about the Lego origin story? And they somehow made, managed to make that a really entertaining movie. Well, and I think so, Will Arnett as Batman did that, but you know, yeah. No. <laughs> well, they also they they made a clever story format. About they did it too, and I mean, it was it was it was more like a kind of a live action gazing into the mind of a of a child. That yeah, more to, than anything else. To me, that movie wasn't a movie based on a video game as much as it it was entirely based on all of the Lego games that we had up to that point. Mm. Um but to me it was more like, man, what if my fucking Legos came to life? Yeah, yeah it's, you know? it's an imagination. But I just so. I distinctly remember hearing like the and I felt the same way about Super Mario Brothers like even way way back when which was who cares like we're talking about, like, this story is never important. The story is what you make of it. The story is, you, like, you imagine whatever story you want because the original Mario Brothers game had no backstory and you made up whatever reason yeah. you wanted for him stomping on turtles and mushrooms and Not jumping well, on giant flagpoles. And this all of a sudden like, sounds a like story, an interesting I mean, porno. You gotta, he had to rescue the princess. Find the princess yeah. and there's a lot but of castles. She's in another castle. Yeah, yeah. typically. So, uh, um, you know, the same kind of thing applies, I think, you know, like, are we finally making maybe maybe it's just that video games have finally reached a form where it's worth telling their stories on the big screen rather than just trying to tie people in who uh, or suck people in based on pure name recognition. I buy that with some games, certainly. Um, I don't Assassin's know if, Creed is kind of up in the air. It's I got, don't know if World of Warcraft is going to be like that. But <laughs> no, World of Assassin's Warcraft has a good. It's got a good story to pull from. So I mean, as long as they cast it right and they they don't just make up shitty. Things. Right, but I, you know, you know there's I mean. no guarantee that the movie's going to be See, about those stories. That's an interesting one to me because there's a lot of different directions they can go because Warcraft and World of Warcraft, especially, mm-hmm. has such a ginormous amount of lore behind it. 
they could make a good movie or they can make a completely crap movie. Assassin's Creed, I think, is a little bit more like, okay, this makes more sense to me as a movie form, you know, like automatically because it's already told in some sort of a semi-cinematic style. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, this is a, ta- a tangent, but this is kind of exactly what I wanted to happen because um, I think it'd be really interesting if we get sort of a renaissance because there are a lot of good games with lots of good stories that I'd like to see told on the big screen. Mm-hmm. But thus far, when I hear a video game movie announced, it's just like, oh God, they're going to fuck that up so bad. Um, no, and I like, I like the ideas personally because I'm not a gigantic gamer myself. I, I mean, some of it's due to certain types of games, like, like, give me a headache. You know, they, they, they affect some sort of Like the parkour thing. game that we just talked Especially about. Especially the parkour game, probably I wouldn't be able to play that. Most first-person shooters, I can't actually play because they give me a migraine. Uh, but I've heard a lot of good things. Like, I've played about 15 minutes of The Last of Us. And I was, you know, digging where it was going and everything, but it was something that I, I can't, like, sit down and play for a couple hours without giving myself a ridiculous migraine and just, you know, ruining the next day or two. So it's something where, you know, people like myself, or maybe somebody's heard of this, you know, video game. Okay, so let's maybe watch a movie connected in other ways. Uh, and that, that might lead people to play the game if they can, or, you know, you know at least get an idea of the story and, and know what people are talking about when they're, you know, discussing the game. I, I accept that. For sure. <laughs> um, so, right. video game movie news. Um, I think we're done with video game movie can we, news. Can we move along to a long I know time what you ago? Are, I a, know. We got to hit we got ah, that last. We got ah, one point. Motherfucker, we got right. one more. Yeah, I was just going to say. We got one more we're going to talk about, and then we'll, we'll talk about uh, We can move to galaxy. a Galaxy Quest. Ah, ha, ha. I, I accept that segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, apparently, well, Galaxy uh, Quest... Uh, is going to be a show on Amazon? Yeah. So, um, have you guys seen Galaxy Quest? Who? Oh my God! It's okay, the best, it's the best Thank Star you. Trek movie ever made. Exactly. <laughs> um, it really yeah, is. Well, I mean, until the two thousand nine, I think. Uh, I like those. Uh, I well, like that's those that's movies. a that's a good Star Trek action movie. Right. No. No. I. I Which I isn't know necessarily that. the point of a lot of Star Trek. I know. Trek. Um, so. I would actually go, okay, so Galaxy Quest is awesome, and Galaxy Quest, roughly told, is you picture the Star Trek actors, the original Star Trek actors, going around and basically being stuck at Comic-Cons and stuff like that, and some of them do it, like, there's, actually, this is kind of a trope, um, Galaxy, uh, uh, the Star Trek actors getting all, um, disappointed about their, you know, sort of lot in life, having to go around to these cons and deal with these nerdy fans that are total dicks and so on and so forth. Um, so Galaxy Quest is that. Galaxy Quest is essentially about a group of actors who played in a show called Galaxy Quest, um, creatively enough, um, who actually kind of get stuck getting sent off to different galaxies and dealing with aliens and stuff like that. And it's an interesting commentary on Star Trek and that whole thing. Um, you know, minor commentary. It's more of a comedy in general, but um, it, it's a pretty fucking cool movie, so... We're we're gonna have to have a couple things happen though in order for this show to be successful, and that's Sigourney we're gonna at least Weavers. have to have. You think so? I don't know. We'll see. I don't I, think. I don't I think. think it's, I think it's gonna take a lot. I, I think they're probably gonna go with a new cast for this, but I hope not. That's kind of the that that's kind of what made this movie work so well is is the Tim Allen Sigourney Weaver Alan Rickman angle like for sure. Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, I don't think he's got anything else going on right now. Yeah, but I don't know if they can, you know, like for an Amazon, I don't know. So first off, Amazon, his, uh, um, 
this is another kind of interesting thing that we could probably have a 25-minute discussion on. But Amazon, um, in an attempt to compete with Netflix and uh, presumably you know HBO, has gone really hard to the mat for some quality programming. And uh, um, I could see them really putting some money out there to get these bigger names on board. But quite honestly... I'd be really surprised to see the original cast come back to do the show. Sigourney Weaver's probably going to be tied up for quite a while doing the next fucking ten Avatar movies, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't. Th- this movie worked the way that it did, though, because of those characters and and the actors who portrayed them. So not. Ha- I mean, I I could forgive Sigourney Weaver and probably Rickman, even though Rickman was probably one of the better parts of the movie. But Tim Allen needs I grab Thor's hammer. Yeah, yeah I, love, I love the completely Alan Rickman way in which he delivers that line. Oh, but I grab Thor's hammer at the cons <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, but my counterpoint to that is Stargate, which I might have said the same thing about or had the same opinions about, except for... Then we got the Stargate show, which is, in my mind, completely sur- surpassed anything that um, the the movie did. Yeah, you stopped caring real quick that the actors weren't the same. That's because, <laughs> and I'll tell you why, um, and I challenge you guys to watch the movie now and tell me I'm wrong. We weren't excited about the characters in that movie. We were excited about the concept of the Stargate itself and, and like how a movie, a sci-fi movie like that had never really been done before. Like there was always ways to travel to other planets, but not like this. This was, this was completely different. And then we had this evil alien God, so to speak, who was, who was like a page out of our history book. Like those were the pieces of, of Stargate, the movie that worked really well. Um, and then when we got the new, the TV series, and it's not new, obviously. Yeah. When we got the TV series, though, like, it was, that's when we started caring about the characters. And we didn't care that Jack O'Neill wasn't the same Jack O'Neill as in the movie, because this Jack O'Neill was better. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, yeah, Daniel Jackson. Michael Shanks, way better, in my opinion, as Daniel Jackson than... James Spader. Than Spader was. Not taking anything away from Spader... It's just, he had two hours to tell us a story that this Daniel Jackson had fucking ten years to do. Well, nine, because he was gone See, that, that year. But. Here, I think you're making my argument for me. Like, uh, the the same is all true for Galaxy Quest in the show, and it's interesting that we're getting serious about that Galaxy Quest, but Galaxy Quest um, is, is that all that stuff is true for Galaxy Quest. Um, we get a very small window into these characters' lives and what could come of it, um, and uh, a show could expand on that so much so that we don't care that it was... Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Tony Shalhoub, etc. Alan Rickman. Um, but mostly I think my, my, my concern is a, a simple economic one. Like I have a hard time imagining Amazon getting all of those actors and actresses back on board to do a long form show, mm-hmm. especially because we're talking about Galaxy Quest, which came out in what, like 98 or 99? Right. That's the other yeah. thing too, is yeah. these, none of these. We're 15 years on from like, this. I mean, Sigourney Weaver was not young. I mean, there's Which no did Galaxy Quest. There's yeah. no so, guarantee whatsoever that they would start the show at the point that the movie left off, though. Yeah, like they could come at it from a different angle. Who knows? Maybe it'll be some somewhat of a prequel. That, I mean, I you're mean, not I, you're not necessarily wrong. Well, I don't. I, I, I think, don't know if that. I work, think in order but, to make an episodic but, television show, it has to be established that they can leave the planet, and there's other. I think a semi-funny, uh, sort of interesting aspect of this could simply be, you know, what happens when you take a bunch of um, um, TV washed-up 
characters, um, you know, washed up actors, and and now suddenly set them in a situation which are which is like you're saying an episodic format where um, they end up visiting different worlds and planets and aliens and all kinds of things like that, told in sort of the Galaxy Quest style, which is to say, not entirely serious. Um, I I think it'll be a good opportunity really to see Captain Kirk kick the Gorn in the balls. Yeah, that's yeah. That's where I'm going with it. So anyway, but I'm, I, I like this idea. I want to see it. No, I do like the idea. And I just... It has a lot of potential. Here's the deal. And and I'll, I'll, I'll revisit what I said, and I'll retract my earlier statement. They don't have to get the original cast back. What they have to do, though, is not get some of the original cast back and then recast the rest of it. Because that's what happens sometimes when you do these movies or oh, TV yeah. shows about mm-hmm. movies. It's all They'll get one cast member. Clueless. They did the same thing. They got the... Uh, oh, I totally know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Donald Faison. Yeah. Turk. Turk. Scubs. Turk. Right. But make everybody else was different. Yeah. So... Um, uh, I felt bad for Turk when that came out. So, sorry, Tony Shalhoub, but um, <laughs> if the rest of the guys don't want to come back, you're out too. That's yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, no, he's rolling all that monk money. He'll be fine. The monk money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's not hurting. Sure that was a long. That went a long decade. Was that ten years? Sure, ago? he's fucking waiting for Men in Black Four. Is all I'm saying. Uh, all right, it'll so, it'll probably happen. Actually, we, uh, heard bef- before we head to a galaxy far, far away. Are we going to go for a refill? Do we? Um, Bryce and I listened to a particular podcast called Hollywood Babylon. Featuring Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. Which it sounds like I'm going to kind of have to. Wherein Ralph Garman does a lot of impressions, most notably Al Pacino and and Chuck Heston. (laughs) You damn dirty apes! Damn dirty apes! Ah. (laughs) Uh, Which Bryce and I are terrible at. Um, But it's still fun. Uh, and we occasionally will throw in the Adam West. Quickly, Robin, to my bat hole. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, my wife and uh, our friends Amy and Forrest and Bryce, uh, and then their adopted seventeen-year-old apparently pseudo adopted. Yeah, um, guardianship, whatever. We we all played games last night. Wherein by the end of the night, everybody was pretty well tired of Bryce and I. Incredibly, I'm certain. <laughs> Doing our ridiculous, terrible, our terrible impressions, <laughs> terrible impressions. Quickly, Robin, to my bat cave. <laughs> Put your pole in my bat cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was cards against humanity. Shway, you know, we're not specials, so so. Uh, so we do have a couple topics before we stray uh, too far. Uh, we do. We have topics that take place in a galaxy far, far away. And in every fucking to toy store from here to China at this point. Um, well, starting in China, yeah. so from China to here, I would, I would Yeah, guess. that's probably more legit. <laughs> yeah, probably starting in China. From the back right. of Chinese trucks to the US of A. Um, so we got a couple things. Uh, let's start with the spinoff. Oh my god, yes. Rogue One. Oh god. We got a cast pick. Firstly, not only does that cast pick look sexy as fuck. Uh, secondly... I, I had no idea what this was about before the time in which this kind of the, the, the cast pick became, uh, you know, released. When Once they released it. I didn't really know what the deal was behind the Rogue One storyline. And and now that I know, I'm, I'm much more excited. I still actually. don't know, so please elaborate. So, the story of Rogue One 
is the story of the many fucking Bothan spies that died getting the plans for the Death Star. Are you fucking shitting me right now? I am not shitting you at all. Okay. (laughs) Is everyone else excited now? Yeah, I'm suddenly 145% on board with this. I heard it here last, folks. Yeah. But um, how, are you are you not just fucking pumped for this no, now? No, that's, that's totally cool. Like I I want to see the Boston spies die, mm-hmm. just so I can understand why Mon Mothma was so fucking grave when she said that. Exactly. This you know, is, this is how Leia ended up fucking throwing the plans in R two. Like this is this is the essentially the prequel to the first Star Wars movie that was released. You know, Episode Four: New Hope. I don't actually see any Bothans though. Well, so, I mean, it's that, that's half- you know a little bit of a. This is th- th- that is a ridiculously awesome idea in my opinion. And secondly, I hope they go a little darker than Star Wars with it. Like Star Wars is typically like I I hope that in the way that I think that the Daredevil universe um in, in on Netflix is a little darker than say the Avengers. I hope they do that. It's not like the Daredevil universe is like straight up like Game of Thrones like grim dark you know. But I hope they do that a little bit I, with that, because that sounds like a much more badass way to play this card. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. I'm, I'm excited about this because of the fact that, to me, as a kid growing up, the only movies that we had that were Star Wars related were Star Wars movies. Um, and you didn't that, the holiday special? Yeah, I was just going to say, you had, <laughs> you had three. You had the original trilogy and the holiday special. Have either so... of you actually seen the holiday special? I watched the first ten minutes of Wookiee gibberish, and I, I was like, well... Okay, I've watched the entirety of it. I'm not sad that it's not ever probably going to see the light of day. In no, a legitimate see, and that's form. exactly why I'd heard through it enough people that, like, even if you're the biggest Star Wars fan in the world, you still don't want to see this thing. No, um, it kind of takes you out of it. Adds yeah. nothing, doesn't contribute anything to the world. The and universe. it's and it's okay. And that's I'm gonna boring. I'm gonna preface this by saying that I am 100. percent 100% in favor of marriage equality and whatnot. <laughs> but that movie was fucking gay. <laughs> like, it was terrible. Um, uh, no, but this excites me because of the fact that... So, as a teenager, we didn't have new Star Wars movies, at least for me. like Because Jedi came out in, what, 83? Right. Yep. And Which is when I was born, just for reference. Right. So, mm-hmm. um... <laughs> Master Race, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, you young whippersnappers. Um, I was really excited as a teenager, though, because I got new books. Like, the Timothy Zahn, Heir to the Empire series came out. Good shit. Those were rad. Um, and so when they when the new books came out, like, I bought them, like, every time, because it was new Star Wars. And, and to me, it was great. But then what really, really caught my eye was Tales from the Most Lively Cantina. Wow. Because that wow. book is all short stories... That happen in Mos Eisley Cantina at the same time that Luke and Obi-Wan and shit are there trying to find a pilot to get them to Alderaan. And Han's busy shooting first. Right. Mm. Right. So... Yeah, you you heard that correctly. Shot first. Yeah. yeah. Goddamn right. So to me, that's what these movies can be. These one-off movies that they keep talking about doing, like Rogue One, the Darth Maul one, mm. or the Obi-Wan one that, they, that they're talking about doing. Like, they, they can do that. And that's exciting to me because I... Like, this happened between Empire and Jedi. We just only heard about it. It moved the plot forward, and that's all we knew. But now they're actually going to do a movie that's got a plot of its own, and that's exciting to okay. me. Okay, that, that's a good call. I actually don't remember from reading whether it's the plans for the original Death Star or for the, the new Death Star that this is focusing oh, on. 
I'm gonna go in and say that I bet I bet I would I would set down actual money and say that this is for the original Death Star. I'm actually thinking okay. that too. Even okay. though I already mentioned the Bothan spies. You I think, did. I think so it's these the, uh, that's why these guys aren't Bothans. Yeah. Well, so this could be the inception of Rogue Squadron. Which is fine too, because they they're a big part, even though people don't really know it until afterward, and they read the books and what have you that aren't canon anymore. But yeah, retcon, whatever. <laughs> but that's another thing that's interesting too. Like uh, for those of you not familiar, which why why not? Why aren't you familiar? Go read everything about Star Wars canon. Uh, Star Wars, the movies that are upcoming, um, sort of dismiss what was previously called the expanded universe, which is. Everything outside of the movie canon thus far. Mm-hmm. So you have the original trilogy, and for some reason, I get that they uh, uh, are sticking with the prequel trilogy canon as well. I don't. Uh, uh, sorry, I mean, for some <laughs> reason, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to say I get it. I, I don't get it, because there's much better par- parts of the canon that they could have stuck with instead. But mm-hmm. we're sticking purely with the canon from the movies thus far. Um well, um, it's, and it's, tossing out all of the expanded universe stuff, although, which is all the books, games, movies, TV shows, candy, bar tie-ins, etc. We posted this on the Facebook. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but um, Abrams has come out and said, hey, there's no mention of midichlorians in this movie. Yeah. So they're not necessarily sticking with the prequels as canon because essentially nothing, nobody that was in episodes 4, 5, and 6 knew fuck all about anything that happened in those prequels. Anyway, that history was all lost. Yeah. So, you know, because it had been a long, long we, 15 or 16 years since then. Yeah, we can, we can move. Everyone aged poorly, though. <laughs> like, yeah. We can move forward, though, not having to acknowledge those movies based on I really do what think we that, had in, in that those. We, that is the direction they're going. I really think that with the new Star Wars movies that we're going to get at coming from the Abrams camp, that um, it is really a reset. And we're really going to be based a lot more off of um, the the original trilogy rather than the prequel trilogy. And I think that the only way that they're saying that they're not dismissing the prequel trilogy canon is is that to, to say that they would be essentially uh, dismissing a lot of the things that were already set up in the original trilogy. Um, a lot of the stuff that's in the prequel trilogy that, that I think they're going to stick with are things that you probably already had a vague idea of from the um, original trilogy to begin with. So Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, that being said, I don't I, know, man. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm suddenly like a million times more hyped for this movie because uh, I originally thought this was going to be some uh, um, sort of spin-out, bounty hunter spinoff just sort of based loosely in the Star Wars Dude. universe and they yeah. might bump into Luke or, or somebody important um, somewhere along the lines. But given that backstory, like, yeah, this, oh. this is almost as, as hyped for me now as, as uh, well, that's not true, but... This is certainly up on my like must see movie list. So we'll, we'll we'll hit the next two topics really quick because we gotta we gotta uh, talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, onslaught of Star Wars stuff that's going to be happening for the next several months. But mm. um, Empire, new shot of uh, of Kylo Ren. Mm. That's Empire Magazine. Empire Magazine, correct. You gotta be specific. Not, not striking back in this case, yeah. Yeah. With his uh, Judeo Christian saber. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, so, have you guys heard much about Adam Driver? Have you have you are you familiar with him at all? No, no clue. Okay, so that's that's the the actor who is going to be playing this. Which 
really the only thing that that I know of that he's been in. I'm sure he's done some some bit things, but uh, he's he's been on the HBO show Girls, uh, where he plays the the love interest of the main character, essentially, on again, off again. But this guy plays a fucking crazy dude on that show, and he plays it really well. And I'm very very excited to see what uh, what the character is actually going to be like here. Um, wild as fuck is going to be my prediction for how Kylo Ren is going to be portrayed. Because if you look at yeah. this lightsaber, that mm. thing is like crackling with energy. It's not clean by ah, any means. No. I am so glad you mentioned that because I just wanted to say, how dirty does that fucking saber look? Yeah. <laughs> like, this thing was constructed um, not necessarily hastily, I don't want to say, but like he definitely like had other things on his mind rather than making it look perfect. It's like He wanted it to be effective refined. and not... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. like, I love the way the saber looks, and I think that we get a good idea of what we're going to see from Kylo Ren, at least based on that little bit of uh, um, picture of that saber, because I think that it, it is such a um, sort of chaotic quantity, or it, it has a chaotic quality to it. There are sparks flecking off that fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, that, yeah. that, that that's nothing like the, the original sabers, which are no. very, very clean. It was just like a tube. Right, you know, and some of that. Let's be honest. Some of that is a product of technology. Obviously, we can do better things with sabers purely through technology in 2015 versus uh, 1977. Sure, um, but I think some of that is very deliberate because it should if we wanted to. And there's a big part that would say, you know, for nostalgia purposes, go exactly back to what it looked like in the original trilogy. We could certainly do that, um, but no, I think I think that that saber looks the way it does. Um, very specifically on purpose, not just because it looks cool, but because that's sort of a part of that. And I think the original saber design we're seeing, or the difference in saber design we're seeing, um, probably ties into that as well. Um, that cross guard, which uh, um, is sort of interesting, but not really effective. Do we think it is a cross guard yet at this point? See, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure that that's going to end up being a cross guard or meant to be a cross guard in the way that a typical sword cross guard would be. Mm. Because with a sword cross guard, you'd use that to block other sword shots, uh, um, whereas a saber would tear right through that metal, you know. Right. See, here's my thing. The way the saber is, like, kind of crackling, yeah. and it just has, like, shit almost dripping off of it, mm. these almost seem like ports to vent off extra energy that's not being channeled properly through the crystal inside. See, so I think you've probably got that's something... That's how fucking nerdy I am. No, <laughs> I, I've actually um, seen Red and, and thought about that too, and I think you probably aren't aren't wrong. Um, I think that's probably... Um, if this if the cross guard was not invented, I think that that or, or invented specifically to be a cross guard, I think that, mm-hmm. that he may have decided, you know, in building that saber that he was going to have a cross guard because that would be effective way to vent the, you know, just what you're saying, the raw energy from that saber, just so he could have that fucking badass of a saber, um, which again I think speaks to the type of character that we're going to see with Kylo Ren. So. Mm-hmm. Just just knowing the way that I've seen Adam Driver act before, unless he's got a lot more range than I, I am giving him credit for, he's definitely going to be a very wild type of character. A very... I hope he wins. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of. Kind of. I'm, um, you know... It... Maybe in the first movie it'll be dark like the end of Empire, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it would be interesting. Know? Like, I, I'm kind of curious about that myself, if they're going to follow more of, like, the... Um, because, you know, one of the reasons that A New Hope ends on such a positive no- note is that they didn't know if they were going to make Empire at that point. Yeah, it was not by any means... A, Plus, it was the first act. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you look at it, if you look at those three movies as one movie in general, like, that's the first act anyway. And so... But I'm just saying, like, whatever happens, like, there's no way... Um, this movie's not going to sell a bajillion dollars, even if it sucks. Even if no. everybody comes out and the critics all tell you it's the worst fucking sh- piece of shit I've ever seen, this movie's going to make a bajillion dollars. Um, so um, they're definitely going to make a second one. So it's entirely possible that it could end on a relatively negative note, especially compared to A New Hope. Um, so anyway, picture's totally badass. That brings us to our next piece of news, which is this little tiny tidbit we've seen um, from the official Star Wars Instagram, which is uh, an overshot of um, Imperial Troopers, a big giant-ass field of Imperial Troopers, um, our female heroine with some sort of droid, and then Kylo Ren flashing up the uh, uh, cross-guarded saber next to um, our hero, presumably. Black dude with Luke's saber. With Luke's saber. Um, I'm glad everybody else knew that, too. Mm -hmm. That is definitely Luke's fucking mother uh, saber he's holding. Uh. Which, do you know how much youngling blood is all over that saber? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, um, You killed us all as children. (laughs) That that saber's got to be powered at this point purely by baby souls. Even yeah, and even looking at the the video of it, you can certainly tell that Kylo Ren's is is much more uh, ferocious. I would say yeah, yeah. the standard. You know, that's it. Luke's or it looks, our heroes is a, a graceful. You know, it's very um, refined. Yeah, and his is is much more aggressive. Ky- uh, Kylo's saber looks like a lot more, a uh, lot closer to having the properties of just pure fire, like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Controlled, but um, as much as you can control fire. Um, so, yeah, that, that's entirely apt. It's ferocious compared to the much more refined qualities. And in this case, I would even say that Luke Saber looks meek. Um, yeah. Luke Saber looks... Uh, um, he looks definitely like the underdog. Uh, yeah. um, just purely comparing it, sabers. I mean, it's kind of like okay. Which is not and a here's one, here's <laughs> where I'm gonna do something that's completely fucking out of character for I you. I'm gonna give what's as big as mine. Uh, I'm gonna give episode one credit in one particular facet, and that is that the first time we saw Darth Maul mm-hmm. with his double bladed saber yeah. toward the end of the movie, when like he had half of it, and then all of a sudden you see the other half of it, and you're like. Yeah. See, this is another good example of how the prequels just completely fucked up. <laughs> like, Darth Maul is a badass character. Darth Maul was a badass character from the first second you and saw they him on screen. Like and they had this big saber. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you see that second end of the saber come out, you're like, oh, what mm-hmm. are we looking at here? And Motherfucking Donatello of Sith. Yeah, and they just ended him... Like, in the first act, essentially, of this trilogy. Like, Darth Maul should have been a much bigger part of the entire trilogy. Probably up to the, I'd say, the midpoint of the third movie. Um, before it really becomes clear that it, that Anakin is the big bad we need to fear. So, anyway. Yeah. No, um, and you're, you're on point with that, too. I, I'm excited. Um, here's the thing. I don't normally condone mass market bullshit. 
But Star Wars toys came out at this point yesterday. Yeah. And uh, fucking go buy your kids Star Wars toys. Like that's if you're listening to this podcast and you have kids, go buy them Star Wars toys. If you haven't seen it yet, Google Millennium Falcon drone. Yeah. That shit is the coolest. It it is. I think all of us just became again like little twelve year old boys. That Millennium Falcon so hard for that. That Millennium Falcon drone is the blood that powers the nerd boner mm. at this particular time. But it's just and it's just chock full right now, like a baby's arm holding an apple, man. Oh god. Yeah. I almost like ah, I don't even want to hear any more news about about the movie though. You know, like at this point, I almost just want to wall myself off to anything Star Wars. Until it actually comes out. Like, I know that they're going to go through as much... Dude, I feel that way. Very strict and very... I feel that way, too. Except for the fact that, like... Then I hear, like... Somebody's like, hey, there's a new shot up of Mark Hamill in costume. And I'm like... Yeah. You know, like... (laughs) Fuck you, I'm out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. God. So, um... Like, the thing is, if you hear about it, like, you're not going to be able to stop yourself. But, okay, here's another lesson for Hollywood. Like... Hollywood has released thus far, and I hope they don't make it worse, they've released thus far, like, the perfect amount of promotional material. Oh, agreed. The the, the original teaser trailer is just fucking brilliant. Like, like, we don't know anything about the story yet. We know that there's original cast members back, mm-hmm. we know there's a bad guy, and we know that there's presumably a new Jedi as well. But that's it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, somewhere you must assume that some of the Empire has survived because we get to see a big giant shot of stormtroopers, but we oh, yeah. really know nothing else. And the, the way that they've done the promotion for this is so brilliant in that way because it just makes me more curious. Like, I love the feeling of going into the theater and having no idea what I'm seeing, um, in yeah. a lot of cases. Like, for example, The Matrix. The Matrix is a thousand times better if you went and saw it in its original run before everybody else saw it. Because you mean the one Matrix movie, yeah, the, the yeah. first, the, the only Matrix movie they ever made. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, if you went and saw that only Matrix movie, um, it's amazingly better if oh, yeah. you did not get this overly, you know. And Hollywood is really super guilty of doing this, which is you know telling the entire story in a trailer. Um, but so far with Star Wars. I'm loving all these little promotional shots we're seeing and things like that because they tell me nothing uh, um, other than that this character looks fucking cool. Um, the Matrix kind of had that same feeling that uh, the Shyamalan movie, The Sixth Sense. Like oh, if right, you right. if you had never seen that movie, like the first time you watched that movie, had heard much. Yeah, it was, and I'm not going to say it was fantastic because I kind of did see it coming, but. Yeah. It set the stage for his next movie, which I thought was better. Um, it's Unbreakable. 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 Mm-hmm. Right, which, with Bruce interestingly Willis. interestingly enough, is another comic book movie, even if it pretends not to be. Right. And, right, right. And, a... and Sam Jackson. And, like, I did not see that coming no. by the end of it. Like, that, oh. that movie... And I still like watching that movie, but it's not the same as the first time I saw it, because... Yeah. You know a little bit more. Right. I don't know. That one I saw more than I think... <laughs> Bruce Willis, because I, you know, I just heard, I, I had nobody spoiled the fact that it was a twist ending to me, so you know, I was, I was very much digging the, the, the freakiness of it, you know, the kid with his head blown off and all that fun stuff, uh, and then you know, it comes right down to the end, and you're just like, what's going on with Bruce Willis? What's going to happen with his wife and shit? And then you know, the boom, it's, it's uh, a, it was a very classy reveal too. It wasn't. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of you. Re- you realized it as as Bruce Willis did. At the same time, but, you know, just you know, relating this back to Star Wars, this is another interesting thing. Um, it's gonna suck, I think, a little bit for you know, like my kids, for example, are not are not into Star Wars yet, and at some hmm. point, I assume they will be. What's wrong with your children? Children raised wrong. I know. Man. Well, I fucking try to show them to like weekly, and they're like, "Dad, this is old." Um, they do that with everything. Everything that's older than like five years is like might as well be like no, no. This movie is scroll. I Star Wars shock. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I I almost feel a little bit bad because there's almost no way to insulate them from one of the greatest reveals of all time, which is the whole mm-hmm. Lu- Luke's dad, you know, thing. Right. Wait, who was that? My. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have a I have a good friend of mine that I went to high school with that uh, got married several years ago, and at the time that they got married, his his wife had not ever seen Star Wars, oh. and oh. the prequels were out by this point, you know. And he was like, "What order do I play him for?" And I said, "The right order." Yeah, there's like, no there's, four, five, six. There's those are all the yeah, ones you four, need to show, <laughs> right? Four, five, and, six, and if you must, then you can do one, two, well, three. Well, and, and my whole my whole point was Empire, that scene at the end, that's the money shot of the entire trilogy. Like, right there. Like, it was like the dude came. Like, if you watched the And then the rest of it was just a yeah. bunch of people cleaning stuff up. You know what Com- I mean? Presumably common. Right. Jizz moppers showed yeah. up, and that's, you know, they were Ewoks. <laughs> Fucking little fuzzballs on the end of a broom soaking <laughs> stuff up. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just picturing a Swiffer with an Ewok episode. on the end of it. <laughs> What's up? I said we were bringing the class straight to this episode. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Keeping it clean. Yeah. We do have the NSFW tag, just to be clear. But we're going to ask one's... people to be guests on this show, and they're going to like listen, listen to, to this one. And, and they're like, going to be like, this is our uh, PG-13 Did you just show. compare an Ewok to a jizz mop? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say jizz? Uh, I don't think I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but that's entirely correct. Like, one, the, one of the penultimate scenes. It is so, uh, such a big scene in um, cinematic history that it is a trope at this point. That basically mm-hmm. everybody knows one of the biggest twists that's ever happened in cinema because it is such a huge deal. Um, so yeah, I, I, my, my hope is that the kids, my kids have not stumbled across this already because I really want them to experience it organically. I really want them to see it for the first time, the way that I saw it, Mm -hmm. um, the way that, you know, lots of people saw it. Uh, I wish I could have seen it in the theaters, but you know, I was not even a, a, a a twinkle. Yeah. Um, No. Well, when I was almost again, editions in the late nineties, I mean, we saw all that, and th- those were only somewhat edited by you know George Lucas trying to make things quote unquote truer to his. They vision. still had Tiny Java, which, which was stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but really, like the dude got twice as big between then and Jedi. <laughs> but just the fact that there were these these shows that we watched on shitty VHS copies for you know decades, <sighs> and then all of a sudden we're able to go into the theater and see like a cinematic remastered version as well because he you know he, he he digitally restored him he didn't just you know insert some new scenes and, and you know put some new cgi in there that you know fit although he did plenty of that yeah it, it was still like you know you get to see the whole thing up on the up on the screen just in full cinematic glory and it was it was it was pretty great 
I would love to see them re-release the original trilogy as in the original theatrical cut of the trilogy mm-hmm. in that manner. Like I don't I know that they will. I think Lucas still owns I those. Think, I think Lucas did retain rights to the originals. I think you're correct. I think yeah. it'll probably never happen. Um, but yeah, that's the dream. Didn't they do that on DVD? Didn't they put out a DVD mm-hmm. set that was supposed to be... I don't think so. They said it. They said it was as close to the pre-special editions as they could get because they didn't have the original masters anymore, or some shit like that. But I think there may have been like fan cuts of that to that effect, but I don't think there's anything official. But um, we didn't talk about one more thing, guys. Yep. Um, sure. My last belt was brought to you by Firestone Walker. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are currently and almost actually finished drinking uh, Hell Dorado. From Firestone Walker. It is a Hell Dorado. blonde barley wine ale that has been bottled by Firestone Walker for the first time since its inception back in 2010? No, so... Or their 10th anniversary. So Firestone, when they when they first started the brewery up in, in 96, they knew that they wanted to age in barrels. Like, they knew they wanted to make that, like, their specialty. And... They they had a, a number of different things, including this, which they they started barrel aging, you know, once they once they started brewing, and it aged for years and years and years. And eventually, uh, when they when they got to their tenth anniversary, they were, you know, blending some of these beers into a, an anniversary ale. This particular ale was created specifically with the idea that it would be blended with other ales to create something unique mm-hmm. um and it has been available on draft occasionally but never in bottles before uh this is the first time it's ever been bottled and fuck it's good it, it really is it's one that's been used since what are they they they've had to the 10th have, anniversary yeah they started at the 10th what are they at now like 19th 18th that's somewhere around there somewhere around there it's it's been a component of the anniversary ales since then because what they do with the anniversary ales is they take a bunch of these old barrel aged ones as well as some of the new year's kind of stock that they've brewed they bring in some like napa valley wine experts because this is all napa sonoma valley whatever you know central california where all these big wineries are they bring in some of these experts who look at a bunch of different things with the blends you know the the coloration the acid balances and they just make everything blended to perfection and and this has been a big part of it and a lot of people that have had the the draft version which is really only available at at firestone branded tap houses or you know breweries yeah they've they've been clamoring for this for a long time and finally it does get some bottling i grabbed two bottles one of which we are you know finishing right now to our dismay the and other, the other, we plan on opening Labor Day weekend of 2016, maybe if we well, wait that long. However, yeah, however long we decide to <laughs> or age it, it'll uh, Monday night. We will, yeah. <laughs> we will age that motherfucker for as long as I can, you know, keep my keep my pants up. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> so eventually they're gonna drop, and hey, yeah, that's all that's happened. What? Speaking of waiting, my pants. What? Like, we have an enjoy after that we uh, are only three months away from being able to uh, enjoy it'll be, after. It'll be sometimes around sometime around New Year's. Uh, yeah. Can't guarantee it'll be New Year's Day, but it'll be in that time frame. Absolutely. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, that has been whatever this week, and I think we could not get more whatever than we did this week. <laughs> this, this random clusterfuck of an episode. There's a lot of around, a little inappropriate humor, you know, that's uh, par for the course. Um, yeah. For sure. Uh, stay tuned, hit us up with questions, uh, questions at whatevery.co, um, at whatevery show on Twitter, or whatevery show on Facebook. Yep. Do, we have, do we have any tweets that we can read? We don't have any tweets. Nobody listens. Uh, we need more listeners. What Guys. the fuck is up with your friend Phil? Phil! Somebody who knows what Twitter is, fucking tweet, tweet, tweet us, because I don't know what the tweet fuck everything. Twitter is. There's like two people who know what Twitter is that listen. I don't know what Twitter is, but but tweet us. Yeah, whatever that means. Phil, goddammit, spread the word. That'll... I know you know. <laughs> Not that I think we need... Literally yelling at a person that I've never met and only ever interacted with on social media. But you know. <laughs> not, not that I think we need assistance in filling the hours, but you know it can be can be fun to have some some fan mail and or tweets to to read and and sort of no, I've make actually, fun of people. I really, really, really enjoy mean tweets by Jimmy Kimmel. It's one of the few like, right? mainstream media tw- things that I read, and so I really, really want to get popular enough that we get like a lot of hate mail so that we can read them on the air because. I think that'd be the funniest thing. Like, mm. even though I'm kind of a little bit sensitive, I would really love to read the hate <laughs> mail on the air because it's the best part. So if you're listening, even if you don't yeah. hate us, tell us send how us much we mail. suck. Um, send us hate mail. Yeah. Please. If you're like, you guys are shitty nerds, tell us. And yeah. we'll be like, fuck you. But you guys anyway. talk about things we don't care you about. You forgot to mention on page three, episode 92 of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like... <laughs> We don't give a shit, but I'll be happy to make fun of you on the air. Yeah. Yeah, we'll even say your name on the internet. Yep. Which, I mean... Tell everybody how you're a douche. Um, but no, seriously. Uh, it'd be like when your mom got mentioned on the internet 50 times yeah. by 50 hey, different guys. I think they took two girls, one cup off the air. So, uh, uh, I don't know if it's on the internet anymore. Awkward. <laughs> Ooh. All right, everybody. Thanks. Have a good week. Later. Drink good beer.